this is Jeff Combs. You're listening to Nightmare Junket. Get a job at a sideshow. in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that always checks the back seat of a car before entering my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we're delving even deeper into the mouth of march madness as we welcome attack of the killer podcast and the damn fine cast to help us break down the surviving horror classics from our 1998 bracket but before we get into that, let me remind you, we are part of the Phenomenally Frightening Phantom Podcast Network. Phantom. And you can find all of our past episodes along with a host of other horrific horror podcasts at downrightcreepy.com. Or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go, simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your Junko hole. I was wondering where you're going with that in so many ways there. So as we enter the round of the Scream 16 here with the Into the Mouth of March Madness Tournament, that means, unfortunately, we have to say goodbye to four films that just didn't make the cut. In the arms of the angels. So as we have before, we're going to pour one out here and lay in a little in remembrance of the ones that went before us. But unfortunately, and in a rarity, a John, a John Carpenter, Carpenter movie film, didn't, give, didn't make the thing. That like That's hearsay. <laughs> right? All of our horror cred should Such be taken arrogance. away. <laughs> I salute you. But honestly, and that's the, the beauty of this, any other day, we could be talking about these four films right. today as well. Right. But uh, we also had to bid fadu to The Ring. Uh-huh. It's in seven days. <laughs> uh, I still know what you did last summer. Not anymore. <laughs> and uh, Halloween H2O. Yeah, that, that went by the wayside. Yeah, and honestly, we say Halloween H2O, but that is just <laughs> us and merely an opinion. But that means with the round of the Scream 16 that we are bringing in a fellow Phantom Podcast Network podcast. Phantom. And in the round of 1978, we did bring in the Classics Horror Club podcast. In 1988, we brought in the From My Parents Basement podcast. And for 1998, guys, you can hear this next podcast on the Phantom Podcast Network. Phantom. I was just waiting. To, I was baiting you on that one. <laughs> yeah, you were. Yeah, you were. <laughs> and within any particular episode, man, they're going to break down the most current horror news with some killer news, um, as well as uh, giving out some shout outs to their loyal followers. Um, and also, they're just fun to listen to. They give a lot of phenomenal insight to some of your favorite horror movies. Welcome to Nightmare Junkhead from Attack of the Killer Podcast. And same Mike, Jason Bollinger, Tad Good, and Terry Terford. Hey, what's hey, up, everybody? Hey. Oh, what's going on, gang? How you guys doing? Oh, doing awesome. This is exciting. Love love being here. This is going to be fun. And Pumped. this is, we're going to be honest, we we probably haven't hosted this many people on the podcast via Skype, so it might be, it, if we're Skype awkward, yeah. <laughs> if we're awkward, we apologize. You know, this is just, we're not, we need a little eye contact to kind of, you know, it ease us into in this. The, if we're, I should purpose that. If we're more awkward than usual, then that's why. <laughs> <laughs> so for our listeners, uh, we need to match up some names with some voices here and as well as give a chance uh, to let our listeners know where they can find you out on the social media, out on the interweb. So again, give us your name. Give us a little vocal talent, if you will. And again, where can we find you out on the interwebs? All right. Well, um, 
Uh, Jason, you you should take the uh, the interwebs. Thing. <laughs> I'll I'll screw it up. Right. I always do. So if you want to, you can go first. What? I'm Jason Bollinger. Uh, you can find us at attackofthekillerpodcast.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at AOTKP. We have an Instagram. We're out there. You can find us on the iTunes and SoundClouds and everywhere else. Next. <laughs> okay, well, I'm Insane Mike, and I'm the, the host of the show and the the um, brains behind the whole thing. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> Keep telling them that. <laughs> Next on yeah, down the line. I'm Terry Turford. Um, I have some personal things, but I guess you can try to add me. I might add you, or I might not. <laughs> That's so We're not worthy. We're not worthy. That's big booking right there. Go. Ahead. You know, don't 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 call us. I'll call you. <laughs> and last but not least, I'm Tad Good with two D's. Um, I'm on every social media is basically my name because it's weird enough. I don't need a uh, username. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram. You can also find um, the Snake Alley Festival film on Facebook and Instagram. And um, yeah, that's where you can find me online. Is that two D's in the first name or two D's in the last name? Or one D for each? T-A-double-D-G-double-O-D. So three D's in total. Yeah. We three three D's deep. Right on. Right on. So now that we've got the awkwardness out of the way there with the social media. Uh No, but indeed, (laughs) lay it down the line. This is what we always got to ask people the first time they're on the podcast is, you know, what was it that got you into horror? You know, was it was there a movie? Was there a book? Was there a moment? But what was it that just kind of sunk its teeth into you and made you go, I can dig this. You know, this is something I can get into. Uh, Let's start with uh, Insane Mike. Start us off there. Well, it's it's kind of tough to pinpoint one thing for me. It was kind of a uh, a summer of love back uh, <laughs> back in my junior high days. This one summer, it just it just exploded for me. So it's kind of a combination of I used to watch the Universal monster movies on um, on a local Iowa horror movie host show every <laughs> Saturday night. Um, but then what really got me into more modern stuff. And the uh, the gore hound that I am today and whatnot is is the is the stuff of George Romero, especially the Dead trilogy. Um, starting off with like Universal monster movies, you know they you know they were relatively safe. But then when I first saw Night Living Dead, and it's black and white, and I'm a, and I'm making at that age making a connection to the Universal monster movies. But then like. This movie's not safe. You know, anything goes in this movie. And that just totally blew my mind that movies could end unhappy. That didn't make sense to me. That was that was like crazy wild. And then when I saw Day of the Dead that same summer, I was like, wow, special effects is a lot more than just, you know, spaghetti for guts and, and dumping uh, fake blood on top of it. And then Dawn of the Dead <coughs> taught me that uh, filmmaking, especially horror filmmaking, is an art form. Um, so it's pro- it's a combination of all that is what really uh, maybe the freak I am. <laughs> You're brought up on the Church of Romero, and that's a good place to worship. Absolutely. Jason, what was your entryway into horror? I'd say mine came a lot from kind of around the same age, but uh, me and my brothers would, and mostly me, would, <laughs> uh, after we were put to bed, we'd get back up and turn on the TV 
And I remember watching a lot of Up All Night hmm. and catching films on there, like the Friday 13th used to scare the shit out of me. But Quick, qu- I, quick question about your Up All Night. Are you a Rhonda guy or a Gilbert Godfrey guy? I I like both, but Rondo was my first. <laughs> okay. USA. Uh, all night. All night. Yeah. 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 I can't hear it without doing the. Oh. <laughs> Does anybody, anybody remember the name of the host that was before Rhonda Shear? There was another female host that was before Rhonda Shear. I do. And not. I asked this question not remembering the answer, so don't ask. Oh. <laughs> you just throwing that out to any of the listeners, just the positivity out That's there. Right. It was Commander USA in Negligee. Ooh. That's what. It was. That's what it was well, yeah. See it. Chomping a big old cigar. Right. We're gonna watch a movie, kids. Ah, you know. <laughs> seeing seeing Day of the Dead and seeing uh you know him getting ripped apart. I I was like, oh yeah, oh shit, this is fucking awesome. And then when I saw the eyeball fly across the room and Evil Dead too, I was like, that's <laughs> I love this shit. So. <laughs> That's that's me. It's all in good taste. Uh, Terry, what was your entryway into the world of horror? Oh, man. Well, I mean, growing up, I didn't have any cable. Like, we had (laughs) 7 and 10 and, like, the church channel. Um, (laughs) So most of my early um, exposure was just to, like, movies my grandmas or other family members had, like, taped off of the TV like onto a VHS tape and just like written in pen, like total bootleg copies. Um, but the earliest ones I remember, like the ghost and Mr. Chicken was a yes. super influential one to me. Um, and like monster squad, those were really mm. early ones. And my stepdad was like a truck driver. So he would always get these really cheesy, like sci-fi horror films, like Chud and puppet master and things like that. And he'd bring those home and, when my mom wasn't paying attention, me and my brothers would watch them. So that kind of stuff is kind of what rocketed me into liking horror. Well, and speaking of something kind of horrific, but um, and it's it's kind of tangential to what you just talked about. But the ghost in Mr. Chicken is I've got a friend of mine that used to uh, work at it was the local Jewish community center, and he ran into Don Knotts naked and <laughs> said it's as awful as you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but just like more sunken in, basically. And they're yeah. gonna nip it in the bud. I need to know more of the How's deep. Like, well, how did that happen? He <laughs> just he walked in on him in the locker room, and just Don Knotts was okay. out there changing. Like, you know, he was a normal. He, that's hey, what, how's that's, it going? That's what celebrities. They're just like us. Did he? See, did he, did your friend see his Mayberry? <laughs> oh oh no. boy! I mean, it's pretty obvious he he's always at the gym. I mean, Don Knotts was you know known for his physique, large muscles. <laughs> yeah. He's over there just swollen. Come and knock at our door. Just getting ready to just wail on somebody i want to get him this time you know <laughs> and again tad last but not least what was your entryway what hopefully it wasn't a naked don knots uh maybe something less horrific but what was it initially that got you into horror um there's a few moments i remember um i'm the youngest of th- of three kids so my older brother he's quite a bit older and i remember him and my mom one afternoon we're watching the original Friday the 13th and I was watching from the hallway because I wasn't supposed to be in the room. I remember that, that was when I was very young. And then flash forward to one of his birthday parties. Um, he had all of his friends over and they rented Jason goes to hell on pay-per-view. And 
the the tent scene where the couple's having sex and then she gets you know ripped uh, in half. Uh. That had like everything I wanted in it, like, it, like <laughs> boobs, blood, and a dude in a mask. I was like, this is I'm not supposed to be watching this, and it's so fucking awesome. And then that summer, him and his friend went alphabetical through the horror section of a local video store we had <laughs> called Circus Video. They rented everything, you know, alphabetical started at the beginning of summer and made their way all the way through the entire section. And obviously I didn't watch all of them with them, but um, just getting a taste of everything. And I'd say the one that sort of tipped me over, I I watched all the Friday 13th after that, all the stuff. But I I was sort of I I sort of watched things backwards because I ended up like I I feel like the movie that changed everything for me was John Carpenter's Halloween, because Mm -hmm. when I saw this, I was like, you know, this isn't this isn't fun like the Friday 13th movies are stupid fun like this is a this is terrifying it's well made it it had a purpose it it to me I was like you know I want to know who made this I want to know everything I can I want to find out as much as I can about the process of this of how this was made everything and that's I think that's when I fell in love with horror that's that a nice little reverse engineering journey right there Terry. Yeah, yeah. I started with with stuff that wasn't as good and made my way to something. <laughs> the bane of most horror fans, right there. Uh, Terry, quick question: You said you watched Chud at an early age. Did it fuck with you? Because it fucked with me. It fucked with me good. Uh, no. I watched a lot of weird sci-fi things. I guess that one didn't bother me. The Puppet Master bothered me more because I'm still scared of doll things. It, it it lends to like genius cannot walk over any grates. He will nope. knock over an nope. old lady will. to get out of walking have, over no. grates. Over grates and manhole covers and anything sewer and smoky shit because <laughs> fucking chud. That's why. And so like I will not. Yeah, I go over grates. So it sounds like a lot of us were raised on 80s horror for the most part, but ultimately we're not talking 80s. That was last week. We're all here to celebrate just the interesting transitional period that was the 90s in horror and honestly 1998 brought us some really good flicks but we've got four that we're going to be talking here and based on your guys's most recent episode where you did uh, midterm mayhem i thought we would go ahead and talk the the round here where we are going to be talking uh robert rodriguez is the faculty against ronnie Yu's bride of chucky and since we started, since you guys recently did the whole midterm mayhem, and I know the faculty was, I think, Tad, you even mentioned it. Um, I want to hear you guys. What was your initial thoughts on the faculty? Again, you know, did, did you see it in the theater? What was your first time thought? Just your general thoughts. Uh, let's see. You know, Tad, you brought it up on the show there. Let's start with you. I absolutely adore this movie. Um, I think it does. It does have to do with when I saw it. I, I saw it. I did not see it in theaters because I was still pretty young in 98. Um, though, I don't know, something it had, you know, I was I was that around that, I was actually younger than the, the students in the movie, but my mom was a teacher, so it sort of was like, you know, I knew all the teachers at the school. They knew me by, by first name. I didn't necessarily see them all as just teachers. So this one was like, I, I loved everything about it. It had aliens, it had gore, it had... It had hot chicks in it, and it had every every stereotype of um, it had the nerdy kid, the goth girl, the jock. It had uh, everything, sort of like it was like a in that way. It had the John Hughes thing going for it, where you found your character you, you sort of related to and connected to him. I mean, it has John Stewart as a teacher? That, that's cool. <laughs> like, 
I, I love this movie. This is uh, and Elijah Wood. I will. I would watch him like. I would watch him in just about anything. I love Elijah Wood. So. Okay. Um. Some Jason. What do you think about the faculty? Well, I just saw it for the first time two days ago. Really? What? Really? Uh huh. Oh, fantastic! Now we, de- we definitely want to hear your thoughts about this movie. Uh oh. Well, why? Why did? Why did you not see it up to this point? I would say that my reason for not seeing it this far along is because of the writer, Kevin Williamson. I had a You got beef with Kevin? I I felt there was a period I blamed him for ruining horror (laughs) in the 90s. Okay, please please explain why Kevin Williamson ruined horror. Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, that and Scream, I, I mean, it's... Okay, okay, film. It mm-hmm. might help me out. Okay, well, uh, well no, awesome I'm, I'm not, I'm not like, yeah. It's an awesome sure. film for what it is, but in itself. Everything that we love. But it ushered in a new. They're stuck in the 80s, is what they're saying. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's okay, okay. Here, here's a lot of my issues with, with and, I, and, then, and then maybe Jason can back this up too. Is this, it felt like that shit was watered down. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, which we'll get into when we talk about some other movies from this year. Uh, but like, uh, and Scream, as great as a movie as that totally. is, it just gave it just gave birth to all this just like watered down, pretty people starring in you know name actors starring in horror movies, mm-hmm. where the posters are the are even the posters, the posters are all the are, are watered down, hot young boring. Hollywood. Yeah, just a bunch of faces, just a bunch of floating heads, floating heads, the floating yeah. heads posters. Yeah, and I hate those posters. But so I'm, I'm assuming that's kind of where you're yep. coming from on it, right? Totally. Okay, okay. I can buy that. But what did you think but, about uh, faculty? Well, my first, I mean, my first, my first reaction was like, "Holy shit, this cast is fucking amazing!" <laughs> right. Like great, I can't even a, name them all. I should cast, yeah. Tons of I people. should have looked it up, but I love fucking everyone in this cast. They've all gone on to do stuff, and I love everything they've done. And it just blew my mind that everybody was in this movie. There's it's, only uh, like one one creepy molester in the movie, right? Harry Knowles. <laughs> Harry Knowles, yeah. Uh, I remember yeah, when I I remember but seeing it. Was it produced the... by a creepy molester, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah it was. Under... Oh. Yeah, it was. It's an oh, icky film as it. it is. Stop! You're ruining it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we we will go by the merits of the people on screen as opposed to the people <laughs> off screen. <laughs> uh, I also sort of had a falling out with Robert Rodriguez post this you, movie. Yeah, and I know I know that truth. And so it helped channel. me not go back to it because of him. But I know so it's kind of a double-edged sword for you back then, right? But I know everyone talks great things about it, and I've always listened, but never gone back. Yeah, I agree. I, I love, I loved its nineties-ness. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the movie just screamed nineties for it me. It reeks of nineties. That's the, I mean, that's the one thing in this particular round and year. I think was something about everything is super nineties. So much more super nineties. So. It was hard to like say, well, this yeah. was not nineties, but it, for all intents and purposes, I dug the nineties. And so even the Dunkaroos and shit. Yeah. <laughs> so like, 
Yeah, but so you you kind of came around. Do you think like your beef with Kevin Williamson might be a little bit like unbeefified? No, I'll hold that to my grave. I'm sure. <laughs> but, but yeah, the movie was super fun. I mean, I, I you know it was also in that '90s in this you know ten good ten year period that a lot of the effects went to digital. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, know, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a bunch of that I'll, I'll talk you know it's, it might be worse than blade i don't know but there are some things in this there no, there, it sounds like there's some dissent amongst the crowd um okay yeah uh, mike yeah, would i like okay cool well that's <laughs> not convinced like not convinced <laughs> okay mike i've been saying mike what'd you think okay so to um kind of tack on there uh, I, I feel like I have more to say about about Jason's um, hatred for Kevin Williamson. Oh, good. <laughs> well, because I'm in the same camp, but I wasn't so anti like you were, because I I still saw this movie back in the day, and I'm trying to remember. I don't I don't think I saw it in the theater either. Um, I think I I think I rented it or something, and I can't remember what why I did it. I didn't go to the theater, but why it ended up being a must rental. I can't can't put my finger on it but here okay so here's the thing with <laughs> kevin williamson for me he was god's gift to horror back when scream came out right i don't think he's that good of a writer i think he just kind of got lucky with scream and it's the and i also look at it too that it's the george lucas mentality like the original star wars trilogy is awesome because it is a collective um a collective of people making these movies. There's a lot more input than George Lucas. And why people have a lot of issues with the prequels of Star Wars because it's just all George <laughs> Lucas's ideas. Um, and I think George Lucas works best when he's working in a group. And I kind of think that's the same way with Kevin Williamson. I feel like there's probably a lot more, when it comes to Scream, there's a lot more... Um, that needs to be a lot more credit needs to be given to Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson in that movie. Um, and I think the faculty is, is a great example of that. There's a lot of great things that goes on in this movie. And I, I, I look at that more as in, in a cinematography or a direction standpoint and not the writing. First of all, Kevin Williamson wrote the screenplay to this. He was not the original writer of this movie. There was a couple other guys that, that, that wrote this and, and and Miramax shelved it, and then when Scream did so good, they they rushed it right into production, and have had um, Kevin Williamson did a treatment of it. So, <laughs> but if we if we kind of take a look back, it's a rather cookie cutter, you know, plot. It's Invasion of the Body it's Snatchers. Invasion. There's yeah. nothing oh, yeah. really, there's nothing really new and original, other than the fact that it's a it's a high school setting. There's nothing really new and original that's being offered here, unlike what we got with Scream. And I can't think of another Kevin Williamson movie that offered anything new and original like like Scream did. So, so I don't know if so uh, you're saying you didn't like disturbing behavior. <laughs> sorry, no, I'm sorry. That yeah. was a really bad. That's a not a good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it and it, and I'm not saying well. And then like, case in point with this movie, I'm not saying I hate it because of Kevin Williamson. I'm just saying. He's just—he's not a gr as great a writer, in my opinion, that uh, that people thought of him at that time. Um, I think he just kind of got lucky with Scream, okay? But to talk about the faculty, um, 
with that with that said, <laughs> watching it again watching it again after um not seeing it for years uh it it didn't it didn't hold up in my mind as strong as it as i remembered it to be um it's still a really good film and i still really like a lot of stuff that robert rodriguez did in it and yes the cast is amazing and i for the time period i don't mind the cgi effects i thought for the most part they were pretty they were pretty darn effective um you know, I, I've, I've always, I can even remember watching it the first time and always having problems with the drug angle and that yep. being the means of taking down the bad guy in this movie is that it's this, it's weird. It's this drug. It's just, yeah, it's just a weird thing. Um, and it kind of feels a little convenient because he just happens to have this drug in these clicky pins. You know, who does that? Nobody. But then yet it makes it really <laughs> nice and easy to inject the monsters so you know it's just, it feels a little convenient but seeing john stewart in there his scenes were were awesome i love that scene in his classroom that's awesome and my favorite moment of john stewart there is when they're showing all the actors at the end credits um you know and uh they show john stewart he's got like he's got a big old bandage on his hand and his eye patch on like a donut and, or something yeah yeah something like that Remember a donut <laughs> <laughs> okay, Terry. I, I just thought that was hilarious. So, but yeah, so it's still thumbs up for me. Cool. Um, speaking of John Stewart, my favorite thing about the movie is when he turns around. He's like, and it looks like he's about to say, "On weed." <laughs> you know, you ever, you ever been an alien? You ever been a host to an alien invader? On weed. Yeah. So, <laughs> Terry, what did you think of the faculty? I love it. Um, first of all, I definitely didn't see any of these movies in the theater because I was like <laughs> 11, maybe 10 when some of them came out. Yeah, sad. I know. Um, but I still remember seeing this movie when I was in high school or middle school sometime in there. And I liked it back then for a lot of reasons. I mean, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Mostly Josh Hartnett's hair. Oh, right. What's Wasn't that? this Josh Hartnett's first movie? I think it was. Hmm. So it was like the introduction to him, and he was super hot to me back then, <laughs> and still, even though he had the awkward wing thing going on. I was gonna say, movie, but... what was up with those little wings he had on his head, I don't though? Know. That was it's like little flips behind well, his ears. But he always did. I actually, I actually know about this one. I was. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I was reading about this before we did this because I've I've I, I really do like this movie. And on the set, they kept putting his hair back in place, and he was getting irritated. He's like, "I'm supposed to be the fuck up, like drug selling kid in high school. We aren't supposed. I'm supposed to have like bedhead and not care." And so he would mess up his hair between takes, and they would shoot a scene, and they'd notice his hair was fucked up, and they'd get upset. And they would fix it, and they'd reshoot it, and then they'd look at the dailies, and his hair would be fucked up again. And finally, they were just like, just let him do it, because we're not going to be able to fix it, and that's that's why his hair's messed up. It looks it looks like a math equation. It, it just it's it's so weird looking. And like Captain America's helmet, just these two little like wings on the side. And I like Hartnett, but god damn it, cut your fucking hair. Well, I know it's, it's the nineties and all the drug dealers that I knew in the nineties had did not have hair like that. Well it's funny was the whole bracket that the it was basically it was Halloween H two O versus faculty and the, the Hartnett bracket. Yeah, it was the topic was Hartnett's hair and the deciding factor was that the faculty had the weirdest Hartnett hair of mm -hmm. the two films for 
sure. You know, we're, we're very scientific when it comes down to things here. Well, it's it's definitely the faculty, like you guys said, it, it very it feels very much a film from the '90s. But as you said, it's one of those that the the whole the trope of the film is something that's gone as far back as the '50s. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really really separate itself from the other ones. But that being said, on the flip side, with Bride of Chucky. You've got a film that, I mean, it's part of a franchise, but it's doing something new. So I'm curious to see uh, what you guys think about Bride of Chucky. Let's see here. Let's go let's ahead. Do, uh, we did Terry last on this one. Let's do Terry first. And there this you one. go. Oh, okay. Um, I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not as much Whoa! for me on this. I, yeah, I... Uh... I guess I mean I I definitely saw it when I was younger and I hadn't revisited it since and it did not hold up very well for me. <laughs> there were fun parts like uh what's her face Pam Tilly or Oh Jennifer, Jennifer Tilly. Tilly. Or Jennifer Tilly, thank you Pam Tilly. That's like a singer or something. That's Pam um, Tillis. <laughs> Are you thinking of Pam <laughs> Tillis? Uh, yeah, Ladies and gentlemen, Conway Twitty. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, it's been a long time. It's <laughs> next thing you know, like the hee haw character gonna pop up out of the cornfield. Like, I found my wife in bed with another man. You bit her? Yup, bit him too. <laughs> and now here's Roy Clark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody watched too much hee haw. <laughs> <laughs> yup, too much Pam Tillis. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't have uh, I didn't have like a connection to a lot of the like Catherine Heigl. Oh yeah. <laughs> Anything yeah. that didn't revolve around Chucky or Jennifer Tilly just really suffered, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I thought the 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 dolls, the puppets looked pretty good, and I mean, Brad Dourif is always awesome. Yeah. But, eh, well, since not you, my favorite of the so series at all. With the Don Knotts connection, were you excited to see John Ritter show up at all? Come on, I do love John Ritter. I do, but his appearance was very short-lived, and he was just an asshole. So that made me a little sad. That is very true. That is very true. It's it's a bittersweet uh, position to take on that one. So uh, let's see here, Jason. What are your thoughts on Bride of Chucky? Oh man, it's it's my favorite of the series. Uh-huh. What? Oh yeah. <laughs> Sowing the I seeds of dissension it. here. It's wonderful. <laughs> Well, I mean, okay. Oh. I mean, this is a franchise that has seven films in. Yeah, and this is the fourth one. Yeah, like, so right in the middle. So. I love it. Defend your arguments, sir. You, you know, it's <laughs> got Chucky and some murder. I don't know. It's just I loved it. It was such a fresh uh, when it came. I remember. Yeah. I don't. I can't remember if I saw it in the theater or not. But I know I saw it early, and it was so fresh and so cool. I love. The story, uh, they were just taking it to a new place. I love John Ritter, and I thought it was <laughs> awesome that he was an asshole. And, man, I, I don't know. I, I love all the kills. There's some, there's some good great. kills in there. Yeah, the champagne glass yeah. kill. But you, Jason, you mentioned it was fresh. It was new. It's like they had to do something different, you know, the fourth film in. Because I, I don't know about you guys. I'm kind of curious to see what your thoughts on this. Wasn't necessarily midterm mayhem, but it was set in a school, but uh, Child's Play 3. We did, we, did, <laughs> we did a commentary episode on that one, didn't we? Yep. Oh, yeah. goodness. Okay, and, so. And Thankfully, it was before my time, so I didn't have to sit through that one. Oh. <laughs> well, it's it's okay, but you could definitely feel that the 
that the franchise was running out of steam fast, and so something had. To I be agree done. with Jason that yeah, it had. They had to. They had to do something to liven things up. Okay, um, and the the face, the the stitches in the face. Oh, the t- he looked so his new awesome. Look was badass. Yeah. yeah, it was. All right, um, Mike. What did you think about uh, Inside Mike? What did you think about uh, Brad and Chucky? I too love this movie, <laughs> and it is also my favorite in the franchise. So sweet. Ah, watching it again after not watching it for several years, I I realize I understand more how it how Seed of Chucky came to be, how mm. it went down that path, because this movie was far more sillier than I remember it. Uh-huh. Yeah. For, you yeah. know. It's a near a comedy. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and it is, yeah. you know. But it's it's also like I cannot remember the producer's name, but the but uh, Don, Don Mancini. Mancini. Yeah, mm-hmm. Don Mancini, who's been with this franchise since day one, and he's still the man in charge, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's awesome. But I kind of feel like maybe he realized this. You know, we're in the '90s now. You know, Scream came out, where like, you know, um, you know, th- things are getting so. Uh, uh, self-referenced you know oh, God, like yeah. uh, all the all the tropes are getting pointed out and all this stuff and so like i think maybe he realized a lot of the uh, grumblings of chucky is like you know how can you really be scared of this doll at this point and you just kick him down the stairs or whatever <laughs> and so like to go into more of a comedy because there's no real there's no scary moments in this movie mm-hmm. it's just fun it's just crazy and it's funny, and and I really appreciate it for the humor, and I think that's that's where they were going, and then I think like they just went way over the top with C to Chucky to the <laughs> yeah. point where after that they had to kind of rein things back in, yeah. but uh, I too love John Ritter, man, I grew up on Three's Company, that was my jam, and <laughs> uh, but if you if you want my favorite part of the whole movie is his death death scene yeah. with the nails, oh the, the nails. nails. Yeah. But if you if you watch his death scene and you listen closely, he does a, his little scream is the same scream that he would do every time he would trip over a couch <laughs> in Three's Company. So into a I bed mean, of nails. Yeah, it was the same kind of noise that he would always do. Yep, you know, loved it. And then and then Chucky follows it up with a great joke of like, that reminds me of somebody, you know. And and there's a lot of you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. And. And and I think also you know Jason and I being the horror guys of the '80s, I think like uh, I, I also really appreciate it, and probably Jason maybe not so much because I think he gets a little tired of this kind of stuff. But uh, I love those like inside jokes to the horror fans. You know, we're re- referencing um, John Ritter's death as if he's Pinhead, or that opening scene where they're going through. You know how many times I watched that opening scene to try to find all the little Easter eggs, uh-huh. Michael Myers' mask, the Leatherface chainsaw. Um, the the crate from Creep Show is in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, IMDb says, and I I still I went I, I still can't find it, but it's, that there's like the Puppet Master puppets are in there as well. So, <laughs> in that so, <clears throat> but uh, and Jennifer oh. Tilly is is awesome and uh-huh. great in this movie. Um, I've always been a fan of hers, so getting to see her in there and and then putting her in a doll is was was really cool too. Um, I love the design. The new design of Chucky. I love the look of Tiffany, and uh, yeah, so total thumbs up for me. Like I, lo- I love this one. This is this is probably my favorite of the bunch. Okay. So what about you, Tad? Are you walking down the aisle with Bride of Chucky? Well, you know, guys, I don't know. I'm sorry, Terry, but I fucking love this movie too. <laughs> this, this, this one, um, <laughs> it hit right at right at the perfect time for me. Growing up, I sort of. 
and, and not to go backwards, but with like the whole Kevin Williamson thing, when Scream came out, I was right at that height where I, I thought I knew all things horror. I was the guy in horror. Nobody knew more than me. Um, and when Scream came out, everybody I knew loved it and suddenly was a horror fan. So I sort of had like I felt like I had that chip on your shoulder when <laughs> your 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 favorite indie band breaks through and you're mm-hmm. like oh I liked them before they were cool that kind of thing. Are you a horror it's like hipster? Walking Dead now. You're right. So like when when Put Scream a man came out, bun. everyone's like, "Man, Scream's awesome." I was like, "You guys need to watch a real horror movie." <laughs> but that being said, after you know after I sort of got rid of that attitude, I I learned to love that and the faculty and. Going back to connecting that to to Bride of Chucky, so many of the people my age and younger and a little bit older, my sort of my generation, I grew up with them all sort of saying, you know, when I was a kid, Chucky terrified me. He never, ever, ever, Chucky was never scary to me in any fashion. I always thought the first three movies were more funny unintentionally than 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 scary. I do love the first two movies. They're still great, but they're not, to me, they're not scary. I, I know people who cannot even look at, you know, Chucky without having bad childhood memories. And to me, that's just ridiculous. Like, I grew up in that mindset of, like you said, I could just, just fucking kick him down the stairs and move on. Like, And I think that when Bride came out, it was like, finally, they're embracing how silly and stupid that a killer doll movie can be that they're embracing it so they went full like full cartoon and made it so over the top that i i just loved it to me it was finally like like the best part of the first you know the first three movies is when chucky had his his one-liners and there's no movie in this franchise that has better one-liners than than bride of chucky uh the way that you know down to the montage where she's she's turned into the doll and she's putting on the makeup and and you know dyes the hair the stupid uh just i mean there's so many stupid scenes but they're all they're aware of how stupid they are in this movie compared to the the first three and i love that it's so much fun and yeah it's it's dated in the way that it plays you know opens up with uh, with rob zombie oh, yeah. living dead girl um you know, that kind of stuff that that super goth guy that, you know, her boyfriend that she kills all that stuff. But I, I still love all that. To me, it's so much fun. I when I saw this, I'm like, you know, finally, they've accepted that Chucky is not scary. And to me, this was the perfect balance where, like you were saying, um, with Seed, it went too wacky and didn't feel at all like they were even trying to make a horror movie. Yeah, but to me, this one hits on all the notes. I this is my favorite in the series. I love it. It's, when, it's yeah. When you get John Waters in your horror movie, it's tough to really <laughs> make it a horror movie, unless you're setting it in Baltimore, of course. Right. <laughs> so obviously, we've we've all got some. Oh no, he's always the best part of anything he's in. He's without John Waters, <laughs> that pencil thin mustache. Oh my god! I so I have a son, so you know, um, I I have to go see all those stupid Alvin the Chipmunks movies. That third one that came out, there's a scene on the airplane and Alvin is talking with John Waters. And he says something about he Alvin says something and John John Waters is like, oh that's that's in bad taste. And, and, 
And Al and Alvin says this coming from the guy who made Pink Flamingos. Wow! What joke wow. is that for? Who is wow. that for? The the adults, the adults are like, I, what the fuck is John Waters doing in a fucking Alvin and the Chipmunks movie? I was about to ask if he yeah. made him eat like the chipmunk poo or something. <laughs> Dog right? shit. Yeah. yeah. That's that's insane. That is insane. I they made that joke. I was just like flabbergasted. <laughs> were, were the I'm chipmunks like, gonna go perform in the Courtney Collins show? Is yeah. <laughs> looking around in the theater like who if else heard that? If, I was if gonna there's say there's a single kid laughing in this movie. I'm calling <laughs> DHS on the Turns out it was a litmus test of some sort, right. actually. So I think you passed. Alvin and the Chipmunks done by Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> <laughs> So we've definitely talked about kind of our love and thoughts about these films, not necessarily love all the way around, but that's the beauty of horror and subjectivity, guys. Uh, But now we're going to go ahead and we're going to show our work because two of these films, one of them's got to go. And so we're going to show our work as it is. Through the ringer. Through the ringer. And so the first thing we're going to look at, guys, is guys and gals, is which one of these films is closer to your heart. Closer to the heart. Anytime we can throw in a bad Getty Lee impression, goddammit, we do it. So it's it's a horrible thing. So uh, let us start off here. Let's go ahead. Uh, Insane Mike, in terms of between The Faculty and Bride of Chucky, which one does hit you closer to the heart? Which one gives you the more nostalgic feel? I'd have to go with Bride of Chucky. We got to show, oh, show your work. work. Show your work. Show your work. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think, well, well, again, like my my decade was the 80s. So Chucky being a product of the 80s and getting him to see to get to see him come back full force in this movie uh, really, you know, really strikes a chord with me. And it's definitely one that I have I've done far more repeat viewings of than the faculty. So that that's always a uh, always a thing for me. If I if I. um can talk myself into watching a movie, you know, several times. Um, <clears throat> uh, but yeah, and it's uh, the the humor in this the humor in this movie is right in sync with with uh, with who I am. So that's why I go with uh, Bride of Chucky. That's that that's what we're looking for when we say show your work there. Perfect. So let's see here, uh, Jason, Faculty or Bride of Chucky? Which one hits you closer to your heart? Well, it might seem like the faculty would be more nostalgic because it reeks of the <laughs> 90s. I mean, it really crazily does. So I was like, oh, I remember that. But it's a lot of flannel. But then, uh, <laughs> but obviously, nostalgia reasons. I watched the faculty two days ago, so I'm not going to have a lot <laughs> of, for that movie. So I definitely picked Bride of Chucky all the way. Yeah, just like Mike said, I love I love the the humor. It's uh, the look of Chucky is awesome, and it was fresh. And again, yeah, like with him, I I, I can watch it anytime it comes on. I love it. A passing remark, perfect. All right, so let us see here. Let's go with Terry, the faculty or Bride of Chucky. Which one hits you closer to your heart? Hands down, the faculty. <laughs> <laughs> Showed so much love for Bride of Chucky just a little bit ago. But, um, I mean, this was at a time I watched this when I was getting ready to go into high school. Like, oh. you know, I mean, it would have been early. You're filling up your pants. Yeah, but, I mean, 
so I guess just the feel of it and growing, actually like growing up in that time and being close enough to that age that I connected more with it. And it's just, I mean, and now watching it, I think it holds up and I love it even more because now I know who all the actors are and I see them. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. It's even better than I remembered. Like, well, it's Alma it. Hayek. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Piper Laurie's in it. She's right? Amazing. Yes, Piper Laurie. Excellent answer. And again, passing remarks. And Tad, closer to the heart, the faculty or Bread of Chucky? Ooh, he loves both. I'm nervous. <laughs> this one's really tough, but um, considering I went to school with Usher and Elijah Wood, I'd have to go with the faculty. Aw, <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> um, there's actually more of my reason is, is a lot like Terry's, where I was at that age where I sort of related to – I probably – felt more like I related to Elijah Wood's character the most in my mind. I probably was not anywhere as cool as him. And I, and I was not, the, I was clearly not the drug dealer or the, the cool black guy either. But, you know, I, I wanted Salma Hayek as my nurse and, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and I wanted to buy drugs from Josh Hartnett, but yeah, you know, I, this one, it, it hit me at that time where I was, like like Terry, I was around that age, and as much as I love Bride of Chucky, it's every time I see the faculty on TV, I literally I probably watch this movie like twice a month because it's on Stars all the damn time. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And, and El Rey. It's like I I can't remember the last time I watched it from the very beginning to the very end, but I yep. but you know I've seen it in pieces you know six times this month already, so. <laughs> I have to go with the faculty. That's perfect. So, uh, genius. Okay, I'm going the faculty for Closer to the Heart for three reasons. One, I saw both these movies in the theater, and I remember thinking, I remember enjoying faculty significantly more than my first theater viewing of Bride of Chucky, because I was like, ah, this is corny, right? Um, my opinions have switched, you know, I mean, I, I don't think Bright Chucky's well, it's still pretty fucking corny, but I mean, it's not as bad as when I first saw it. Um, also another reason why is like at the same time I was just, I think I was getting out of high school. So the whole high school thing was still pretty fresh in my mind. And so for that to be, to show it in a pseudo kind of, you know, multi- multicultural high school or whatever, all the different tropes getting together and like fighting a villain. That's what I wanted in high school. So, and that, and the other reason why the faculty for the nostalgic factor is that goddamn pen that went up my nose filled with pixie sticks. <sighs> did, did you? No, did we you, haven't, we okay, haven't done it. We so haven't talked about it yet. We hosted um, a screening of the faculty not too long ago. Um, and then our friend Abby put together these little mini. There were ink pens. There were the actual big I mean, pens like, with with um, pixie sticks inside of them. So you can actually oh like God. you can actually like snort and ingest it. And like and she was supposed to like kind of like put it in your mouth and like oh, look at me. But we're on on mic and I go fuck it in for a penny in for a pound. I snort that whole fucking pen and oh yeah, just like and I'm like what and so like. And it just kind of the recording stopped. <laughs> Greg looked at me like, "Are you okay?" The people in the audience were like, "Oh my god, did you just snort that?" And I'm like, "Whew, I'm not an alien." So, <laughs> so for the nostalgic factor alone, for those reasons, I have to go with faculty. Well, I can't any add anything more than that. Then it was just the fact that I saw the faculty in the theater, Bride of Chucky at home. So I'm going with the faculty on that now. This is where it gets a little bit more difficult because it's easy to talk from the heart, you know, the nostalgic feels, but 
If you were to eliminate one of these films, either The Faculty or Bride of Chucky, if you were to take one away from the year 1998, which one would ultimately leave 1998 poor? This is where we get a little bit weird. So, Tad, let's go ahead and start with you. Which one, if you took it away, would leave 1998 poor? I would say The Faculty because um, Bride of Chucky led the seed of Chucky. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was my argument right there, too. Shit. <laughs> but, but The Faculty led the Lava Girl and Shark. Shark. Oh, yeah. No. I liked Lava Girl. Girl. (laughs) No, just the Spy Kid movies. Sorry, Robert Rodriguez has range, okay? Oh, that's what you call it when you... (laughs) I love Robert Rodriguez, but I'm going to argue the range thing there. (laughs) He's got three ideas, and he just changes them around. And they're all on a green screen, but they do it well. Yes, they do. So, no. Trejo. Trejo. Mm -hmm. So, the faculty for Tad. Uh, Insane Mike. Which one, if you took it away, the faculty of Bride of Chucker would leave 1998 poor? I just feel like the faculty, man, I feel like I'm hating on the faculty, but I, I, I really like it. But I just, it, I don't feel like that movie has made that big of an impact on horror. It didn't, it doesn't no, feel like point. it really had the lasting power. Um, whereas Chucky is, you know, a horror icon character, so... I'm going to say taking away Bride of Chucky would would um, put some dark clouds in the sky in 1998. Creating a resurrection as it is. Now that's a good answer. Uh, Terry, if we were to take the faculty or Bride of Chucky away from 1998, which one would leave the world poor? I'm going to say the faculty. Because uh, Bride, Bride of Chucky, okay, honestly, okay, yeah, it led to more Chucky films, but they were going to fucking make more Chucky films no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly. Um, and I, I, don't, I guess I don't know what influence the faculty really had in, future, in the future of horror. Um, maybe Josh Hartnett being in more movies? We can go with that. <laughs> That's sweet, sweet hair. <laughs> Harvey Weinstein, I mean... Oh, boo Burns, yeah. Burns. You're, you're in a good place here, Terry. You're in a good place. <laughs> so we've got another one for... Also, uh, Jason, finish this off for Attack of the Killer podcast. The Faculty or Bride I w- of Chucky? I was, I was almost going to flip because I was going to say, well, the Faculty had so many actors in it that... Yeah. The careers of all them actors might have changed or hurt, you know, like they, I think it probably helped a lot of them having this movie and that's good. But but then Terry was like they were going to make Chucky's anyway. Well, that's where that's where I I, I wonder because like well, how many years was it between 3 and Bride, right? Right, because mm-hmm. it was it was dead and like it was because dead. Bride was the way it was. And they finally embraced the humor. I think that's what brought Chucky back and has given us three more mm. movies, two more, three more movies. Yep. And it's, I think it's because of Bride of Chucky. So that's why it's my pick. Fantastic pick. Genius. Which one are you taking away? <sighs> this is hard because I had my mind made up, but these guys brought some very good points. Um so when they made Bride of Chucky, they basically turned him into a mini Freddy Krueger with the jokes and the puns and all that stuff. And then they went further with it in Seed, which to me was 
god fucking awful. Um, but from what I hear, the new ones so good. (laughs) Curse and Cult are wonderful. Cult are great. I haven't seen them. Cult are great. Yeah, I I haven't seen them yet. So. Like, like Terry said, they were going to eventually make them, but then, like you said, it did take them a long time. While the faculty seems to be, it, it, in my mind, a significantly better movie by far and away. I love the story of it. I mean, people are like, well, it's the same thing. It's Invasion Snatchers in high school. But how many Invasion in, in, of the Body Snatchers in high school movies do we have? You know what I'm saying? Um <sighs> I, I okay. It. So the faculty is a better movie. Pull off the band aid. But <laughs> the faculty is a better well, movie. Like... But the bride is more. But bride of Chucky is more important to horror. Okay, Terry, lay it out. I heard you saying you're going. Say come it, on, say come it. on. There were like okay between Bride of Chucky and Curse, there were 15 years. Woo. I mean, Ooh. when did Seed come out? Like two years later. Like, yeah. like a year yeah, or two like after. And it was bad. So, so there was an even bigger gap between those because those fucking killed it. So they weren't because they were not good. <laughs> always, always in um, redirection. But I think they would have brought them. I mean, and I guess I, I'm not a huge Chucky fan, so I don't really know the, all of the storyline behind. Her. I can't even remember where Curse picks up. But I, she's scared of dolls. She can't pick that one. <laughs> no, no, no. That's it. Oh, no, um, no. I just think they kind of suck. <laughs> I mean, I like, I mean, I like the first couple, and I like Curse. I didn't like Cult either, but I just, uh, they're just gonna keep cranking Terry, them out because I'm with people you. are scared of dolls. I'm with you, Terry. Well, I hate to be the voice of dissension here, but I am gonna go with Bread of Chucky, and only because I do think that it's a ser- it's a franchise that's constantly reinventing itself. And because of the hits and the failures. and the misses, yeah, yeah. You, well, you have to learn from your mistakes, and I think it's done that. They, you know, after Seed went so wacky, they brought it back to something a little bit scarier with Curse, and then with Cult, they kind of took the crazy sequel approach and added some different elements, which for some people works and some people don't. I like where they're going with it, and I can't believe you know seven Me films too. in, I'm I'm gonna go with the next story. I'm I'm and looking to it. You think yep. it's because of Bride? I think well because I think Bride gave it that chance to do something different. Yeah. And so even though it's doing something different with the comedy, it re- so it brought it it's back. It's something itself. different. Yeah. yeah. And so well now we're gonna count at we're gonna count this out here. So for Bride of Chucky, we have one, two, three, four, five, six votes. For the faculty, we have one, two, three, four, five, six votes. One, two, three, four, five, six, oh, seven, eight, eleven, twelve. Two, four, six, eight. Ten. Damn oh, it! We have shit. a dead tie. Oh shit! So I'll tell you this. I will say this. I will say this. The bride, bride of Chucky, led Chucky straight to fucking video. So remember Ooh. that. Well, you know what? And I will say, bride this. Of Chucky went to video. Oh yeah, well yeah, Curse of Chucky. Oh, Curse of Chucky went yeah. straight to video. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know I'm what? saying after Bride, they started going to video. Uh, well, Seed's still playing in the theaters. Let's do this. I'm much gonna, more, much more limited. Rather than going well, yeah. to the internet, because our next guest is a soundtrack-heavy podcast. Let's get your guys' opinion real quick, and this is kind of a speed round. Better soundtrack, The Faculty or Bride of Chucky? Oh. Mm. Bride of Chucky for me, The Faculty was a little too 90s. Too too many... uh, And and, and Bride of Chucky was more rocking, more... Was it too many covers in The Faculty for you? that too. (laughs) But I like weird covers. Yeah, but God damn it, Alice Cooper... Oh my God. I don't care if it's his most overplayed song. It's Alice <laughs> Cooper, man. I may have to go with faculty on this one. <laughs> I 
I think that's... the faculty has. I mean, yeah. I just I like all. I'm nostalgic for the '90s for sure. I mean, it's not like the boy bands that <laughs> yeah, it's I not... unfortunately listen to, but it's a you know, of the 90s. when I started getting into when I thought I was so hardcore, like some of that music's in this movie. So I love it. I'm I'm going with the faculty as well. I. I hated the 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 wall remake on the faculty. Yes. I hated that oh, so fucking yes. much, and I loved the and you you know you I forgot who said they hated it. I loved Jennifer Tilly walking all sexy with Living Dead Girl in the background. There was something about yep. that that was fucking magical. And when he turned, what is this bullshit? And he turns on like Thunder Kiss '65. I dug <laughs> it. I'm gonna go Bride had the better music. So I've got three for faculty, one for the bride. We're missing some votes here. I have to go with, um, he just convinced me with bride because I forgot the moment where um, Chucky turns over to white zombie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, white zombie, <laughs> and um, I'm sorry, but the faculty has fucking Creed on it. Yeah, so the, at the very the final end of the song, at the very end of the movie. Look at this photograph of a diamond Cooper. Uh, you may be right. I think Creed does cancel Cooper. If we end up with another tie here, we're in dire straits, <laughs> and that's not on any of the soundtracks. Uh, <laughs> the Sultans of Swing, right on. We may just have to go to the we, the internet's on Do, this one. We have another tie. Yeah, uh, we've got. We need well, one more. Okay, I like swinging. Yeah, yep. I'm kind of yeah. swinging. I, I I think. Man, as soon as you said Creed, man, and you're right that <laughs> that wall remake annoyed the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry, Cooper, you know, you're my man, but yeah, I'm probably gonna have to go with bride. Yeah. We're going to have to go to the internet on this one. Interestingly enough. So we will eventually see who goes into the hateful eight between the faculty and the bride, but that is going to bring us to our next pair of films here. And this matchup actually probably brought about my favorite rewatch in this, uh, bracket, uh, Which urban, one? urban legend uh-huh. against blade. Uh, and Urban Legend was the biggest surprise for me. Me too. It, it me too. It was way better than I thought it was going to be. A good rewatch. So I'm curious to see what you guys over at the Attack of the Killer podcast thought of that. So let's see here. Uh, where's that? Terry, start us off. What was your thoughts on... Let's start with Urban Legend. Well, this is another nostalgic one for me. Although the rewatch was a little bit rougher than I anticipated. I think <laughs> mostly just the acting. <laughs> the bad acting caught me mm-hmm. a little bit off guard. But it's so cheesy in 90s. I mean, there's a fucking Dawson's Creek reference. Yes. And I just laughed so hard. Yes. I'm like, oh, my God, this is 90s. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, and then you've got Robert England as the professor. I mean, that's all. He's always awesome and everything. Um, it's it's great. I mean, I like all of the, it's it's cheesy, but fun. Uh, the kills. I like the theme of the urban legends. It's it. It's a little bit middle of the road, a little bit more middle of the road for me than I remembered it being back in the day, but I still enjoyed it. I would even go as far as to say, you mentioned the, a film that's so 90s. This one, I think, more than even The Faculty yeah. was a just a yeah. 90s, just a uh-huh. pure shot of uh-huh. 90s uh-huh. nostalgia. It could have been on a TGIF. <laughs> <laughs> right between Full House, Step by Step, and fucking Urkel. Yeah, like you, right you did do that. <laughs> so uh, let's see here. Tad, your thoughts on Urban Legend. I remember this one. I, I feel like when it came out, I lumped it in that same group, which it, it deservingly so was lumped in the same group as Scream. I know we did last summer. A lot of the 
90s teen slashers that Jason sort of uh, talked about how he had a beef with that mm-hmm. that whole wave. <laughs> but I also I also feel like you know horror comes in waves. Look what look what John Carpenter's Halloween did. So it sort of ushered in you know the the slasher in general. But going back to this movie, it's I re I went back and rewatched it and I I actually had the opposite of um, feelings of Terry. I liked it more than I remembered. I feel like I sort of went into it watching it originally as in my mind I knew I was like, oh, another another one of these teen, you know, scream knockoffs. Going back and watching it, I'm like, this is actually the little nods to horror mm-hmm. in there. I mean, of course that that goes hand in hand with what Scream did too, but um there's little, like she said, the uh, Dawson's Creek reference. Um, when they go into the professor's closet, there's a there's like a Freddy puppet in the mm-hmm. closet. Um, there's just it's 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 dumb, but it knows it's dumb, and it's something I don't know. It's, it, I really I think I was surprised by how like taken in I was when I rewatched it. I figured I'd play it in the background and just sort of refresh my memory, and I turn out to sit down and really focus on this one and have fun with it. I really like the sort of the, the, the theme of playing on the urban legends themselves is, is clever and a sort of fresh take on, on the horror genre where it wasn't just someone slashing the, the it led to mm-hmm. some more interesting kills and, and I like this one. I agree. I agree. I had a fun, mm-hmm. I had fun with it as well. I'm sorry, Terry, you didn't have a good rewatch. It always sucks when you go back and it's like, <laughs> not as great as i, I remember and rose tinted glasses for uh, sure. they're the worst ones to wear uh insane mike thoughts on urban legend yeah this one didn't hold up as well for me this viewing um as i remember the first time watching it this is to me the perfect example of of um the cookie cutter uh films we got because mm. of scream um great cast a huge another huge cast you know, I was—I totally forgot Alicia Witt was the lead in this movie, and kind of have a thing for I her. I kind of have a thing for her, but you know, <laughs> any any hot redhead that's in a John Waters movie is gonna be um, gonna be okay in my book. Uh, but you got Rebecca Gayhart, uh, terror, uh, a pre-coked out Tara Reid, which was nice. Um, <clears throat> Are you sure it's pre coke I mean, just, well, <laughs> the jury's still out. She doesn't out. look as rough as she does in the Sharknado movie. So early it's, coke. It's early. early coke. Ju- yeah. She's just starting. <laughs> she's just starting the habit. She still looked kind of cute and had that little baby face still going on. So she couldn't. She couldn't afford as much coke yet. That's right. One exactly. line at a time. And then for us horror fans, you know, like like you mentioned Robert England, but nobody's mentioned yet Daniel Harris. Yes. Hello. Yes. And, and Jared Leto. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the and guy Brett, from Cube. I can never remember his name. And That's Brad right. Dorf yeah. as as the uh, guest yep. tenor. Yeah, yeah, at the beginning. Yeah. That's right. Got our little Chucky yeah, connection. So yeah, funny. it's it's an interesting. The... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, oh, um, I just I love I love the idea of the whole urban legend thing. But I'll tell you what. Um, spoilers to the ending. But if Rebecca Gayhart said urban the words urban legend one more time, <laughs> I was going to reach to the TV and slap her. Um, <laughs> Uh, I I, I kind of feel like they did some kind of cool things with it, but I think they still could have maybe done more um, with with these urban legends. Uh, like the opening scene is cool, but I I think they 
I think they did it better. Anybody ever seen the anthology movie Nightmares? It's oh like yeah, uh-huh. really yeah, uh huh. Yeah, they do that. They do that same urban legend in that one with um, with Daryl from Larry Daryl and Daryl is the gas station attendant. Um, I, I thought they they did that even way better than they did it in Urban Legend. So in some of those instances, I didn't really feel like I was getting a whole lot of new anything new, with the exception of the of the death of the guy hanging um, from the tree. I thought that was really cool. The twist of the boyfriend oh, hanging yeah. from yeah, the tree, the, Urban Legend. That, that was, was probably my favorite moment of the whole movie. But uh, but overall, for the most part, it just kind of really feels like um, just a carbon copy of some of those '90s um scream ripoffs so you know there's some of that not, that just the layover from scream as you said so uh jason thoughts on urban legend yeah i had to double check to make sure it wasn't written by kevin williamson <laughs> um, um and then one of my i had a really hard time with the the snow coat yeah your that's it yeah. Could it be more lame? <laughs> yes. Look at I it know was, what you did it, last summer with the with the Gordon's fisherman. <laughs> it was written to take place. It was written to take place in the winter, and they had an unseasonably warm weather. I'm not making that up. That's actually what I read. <laughs> oh, the irony! So that explains the parka. Yes. 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 That was probably a but, uh, I mean, uh, but again, I. I the the huge cast I love I love ensemble films mm-hmm. in general yeah. no matter what it mm-hmm. is, um, so seeing all those I mean, Tara Reid kind of cancels out Daniel Harris so <laughs> it's kind of a wash, <laughs> but uh, but uh, a, I thought the the parking garage tire damage kill was, was my favorite. Oh yeah, that yeah, was fast. that was cool. Yeah. But in general, I I actually thought it was better this time than I remember it. So oh that's good. So. <laughs> I, 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 it was okay. Like I said, it was probably the biggest surprise I had in this particular bracket with this year. Yeah. And so we're going from then something that is, you know, a slasher, basically just died in the wool 90 slasher to mm-hmm. something that's definitely different. Uh, but what are your guys' thoughts then with a 1998's Blade? And let's see here. Let's go with Terry. Start us off. Uh, Blade. What were your thoughts with Blade? Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen the first one. I feel like I've seen maybe the second and third ones a lot more for some reason. Um, I mean, it's fun. The CGI is awful. Oh, yeah. Like, awful, awful. Oh, man. That's like yeah. that last scene where the, the blood fucking, bubbles up. Or, or the, uh, the skeleton bat dragons oh when oh yeah yeah the yeah. skeleton vampires like flying like oh what is happening i almost couldn't watch it it was bugging me so much um i mean it's cheesy but it's fun i like um some of wesley snipes one-liners for sure especially toward the end just so awful but fun um i think my favorite part of the whole movie is chris christopherson hell yeah the best by far um uh i'm not and i won't lie i find that man incredibly attractive especially in like that mode and i don't know what that says about me but good lord (laughs) uh no i totally get it totally get it um (laughs) ladies and gentlemen um, chris christopherson yeah i mean it's cheesy and uh um, I do like, um, oh, frick, what's his name? Steven um, Dorf? 
Yes, thank you. Yeah. I was just saying the other day, we watched, we were watching The Gate for something. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this may be the best performance he's ever had because he... I don't normally like him in anything. But on rewatching this, I actually thought he did a pretty decent job. Mm -hmm. So I yep. take my comment back from that episode because <laughs> he did a pretty good job. He was pretty, I mean, straight laced villain. He wasn't like crazy or anything, but. He, he did a good job. He, he was um, just that smarmy 20-year-old know-it-all. Just blah. And Donald Loge is just crony. Just want to punch him in the face a little bit. Right. Yeah. Uh, listen to all that new dang-fangled techno music and what have you. Fang-dangled. Fang-dangled. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's bad. All right. Insane Mike. Thoughts on Blade. I... This is probably, I think, the only one on the list that I actually got, that I actually remember seeing in the theater. Uh, it, it's definitely a lot of fun and, you know, going in already pr pretty familiar with the, uh, with the comic book character of Blade. So this also came in the time frame where, like, you know, Matrix was such a, a huge hit that... Every action movie had to be dressed in black leather. <laughs> techno. So, and then, like, yeah, a lot of techno music. Uh, I totally forgot Udo Cure was in this movie. Mm -hmm. like Hells to the Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. And then and then Tracy Lords at the beginning of the Hell film. Yeah. That's so awesome, hot. you know? So there's a lot of really, uh, a lot of great moments. Uh, probably one of my favorite scenes is where they go visit that, the, the super fat vampire. Oh, Pearl. 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 What's that? Pearl. Pearl. Oh my god, he's here! He's here! <laughs> I said we can't do that! <laughs> I love that scene, and it disturbs, it totally disturbs <laughs> me all at the same time. But uh, um, there's, there was something about this last viewing with Wesley Snipes that just got on my nerves. I don't know if, like, if our thought if the if if i've gotten to the point where i kept, can't separate the man the the man from the uh, performance right. and i don't know if i can really watch wesley snipe movies anymore are you an accountant uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but there, there's just something about his performance in this movie that just kind of bugged me a little bit but i'm with you chris christopherson is awesome and obviously was like the stealer of the show in this movie if they have to keep bringing it uh keep oh, bringing his character back to life the dead right <laughs> yeah and the other the other character actor that i forgot about was donald Logue. yeah um, donald like, i forgot ass. him being in this and i love him so much mm -hmm. and i was so excited when i was watching I'm like oh my god i forgot he was in this it's gonna be a naughty vampire awesome. god <laughs> <laughs> uh jason your thoughts on blade uh I liked it a lot uh, watching it again. I uh, thought the, the bloodbath scene in the opening was fucking awesome. There was mm -hmm. a lot of blood. Like, yeah, that, for sure. I don't think uh, that yeah. gets counted as like oh shit, yeah, as like bloodbath amounts of blood. That is such a great opening scene. Yeah, Almost it is. the Sam Raimi amount of blood. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the walls are going to start laughing like <laughs> Blade's going to cut off a couple of hands. He's going to run around, flip people off. Um, we made a movie a few years ago called Collapse, and there's a guy in Blade that was in our movie Collapse, Clint Curtis. I don't know if you saw him when you watched it again. You saw his back. Well, he had a line. And yeah, he had a line. He was, he was one, one of the, the um, morgue guys. One of the morgue guys in the beginning of the movie. Um, oh, one of the ones that got ate by the... Yeah. <laughs> oh, neat. By Donald Loge. Um, by Donald Loge. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> but that that was really the highlight for me was I'm a giant Donald Logue fan and this is one of his most fun performances. I mean, I, I just I love everything he does. The Dow Steve is one of my favorite movies <laughs> and yeah. Um what Have oh, you no. guys ever seen that movie Silent Night with Donald Logue? Yep. What'd yep. you guys think? I liked it. <laughs> okay. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, tad, 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 tad. Thoughts on Blade? Uh, well, I don't. I can't recall ever really seeing this all the way through until just rewatching it for this purpose. And I was going into it with the worst of expectations because I always sort of lumped it into that sort of um, early superhero wave that we had that was not my favorite and it was better than i i had sort of expected in my mind but it still wasn't good um (laughs) i i actually when i started watching it i was like i had like my emotions went up and down because i start watching it and it starts with a a fucking rave and i'm like oh great this is why (laughs) i've been avoiding this movie and then, there, and then there's blood pouring all over them, and I'm like, thank God, this is awesome now. And then from that point on, it, it never got that, you know, then he starts slashing, and they, they're turning into CGI dust or something <laughs> stupid. And it, it was it was like up, down, up, down, up, down, and I don't know. It just didn't, it, it wasn't as bad as I, like I said, it wasn't as bad as I was picturing in my mind. But um, it, I have no, absolutely no nostalgic uh, hold to this movie i don't i've i've seen the sequels i don't they, they didn't um they're not my favorites but they also i feel like at least the second one was better than this one but um no it's it's not one i love so in well, blade we, well, we know what you're picking in the nostalgia say, category but but blade <laughs> 2 he suplexes one of the heavies i mean you can't go wrong with a suplex in there and well, I guess as Tad mentioned, we definitely gotta you know start breaking it down here. So we are gonna start with being closer to the heart. And are you gonna break out closer another? Closer to the heart. <laughs> so we're gonna that, start. Can get that high time. I know you're getting again. Had to breathe. Yeah, baby steps. So we're gonna talk. Uh, let's see here. Let's start with Tad. You know what? You you you. <laughs> we ended with spoilers. You. Let's, let's start with which one is for the more nostalgia feels closer to your heart. Oh, absolutely! Um, urban legend. It, it. Uh, I mean, I don't really have to explain myself again, but <laughs> even even little things like like I had an older sister growing up, so I watched. I I knew who Jared Leto was. I knew who Joshua Jackson was. All these guys were in like every every awful TV show she enjoyed. <laughs> so um, it was. It, I was sort of like, oh, they came into my world, you know. So I, I definitely hold that movie more close, closer to heart, cause especially considering I just watched Blade all the way through for the first time like three days ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Showing the work. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, Insane Mike, closer to the heart, urban legend or Blade? Oh, damn. This is tough. Like, yeah. I feel like we uh, paired up the wrong movies. Um <laughs> We're good at Sophie's choices here. Because, like, the recent viewings of both of these films just didn't do it for me this time Mm -hmm. around. But I'd probably have to say, like, just based on the nostalgia aspect, um, you know, I saw Blade in the theater. Uh, I remember loving it at the time. 
um, and in the whole comic books connection because I'm a big comic book geek, and I love Blade Two. I think Blade Two oh, is so good. is the better film. Best. Um, so I'm probably gonna go with Blade. That makes sense. Uh, while we're going there, Jason, what are your thoughts on uh, nostalgia? There, close to the heart, urban legend or Blade? I would say, uh, yeah, for me, sadly. Urban Legend got lumped in with the Kevin Williamson 90s stuff that I didn't like, even though it was a lot better this time. But, you know, I, I used to rave so much when I was a kid. So <laughs> it's <laughs> so much. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. I did. I did. My, I did. On sticks. But, uh, well, we'll get you and Genius so, some of those little uh, whistles. Yeah. Like, burp, burp. <laughs> Don't drop the ball. Don't drop <laughs> Boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants. Hey, you know what? I that, that, there was times where I shut down a couple of raves in my day. There was, you know, there was some glow stick shenanigans and yeah, making a good name for yourself in the scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was a candy kid. <laughs> so I, I have to assume then it's got to be Blade then. Yeah, I'll pick Blade. Yeah. That will work. And then Terry, closer to the heart, Urban Legend or Blade? Urban Legend by far. <laughs> just dripping with 90s. And <laughs> it's one that I remember from back then. So for sure that one. You know, they say in Portlandia, they take you to the 90s. So I'd like to think that only in Portlandia, <laughs> this film would be like in constant rotation in the theaters there. <laughs> uh, genius. So, closer to the heart. Urban Legend or Blade? Urban Legend was a significantly better viewing this second time around. I found it way more fun. I found it way more interesting. I found it funnier. Yeah. And, and a better horror movie in general than when I first saw it. Because, like you guys, I kind of dismissed it. Like, this 90s type thing. And... So much better. But that being said, Blade is fucking Blade. I remember leaving the movie theater, you ready to kick some ass, and I was with Dustin. Give me a katana. And me and Dustin, yeah, me and Dustin were like, that movie was fucking dope. Like, yeah, it was. Holy shit. And like, plus, like, I dug the techno scene. I loved vampires. You know, like, I loved like the whole aspect of vampire hunting, but done it with like a cool urban spin on it. Blade's the shit. Blade is always the shit to me. I love fucking Blade. Well, not part three. But, like, the first two, fucking gold. Fucking gold. So, for nostalgia, I gotta go Blade. You, I have to assume, did you guys see it at uh, Indian Spring? Uh, no, actually, I think this one we saw Blade probably at either West Glen or Oak Park Mall. Okay, because I was at Oak Park Plaza because I had the same reaction after seeing this movie. I went out high kicking. Yeah. I wanted to. Because you know when I get excited, I do karate moves, you know? And, like, I was totally like, wah, wah, wah. Oh, some motherfucker always trying to ski uphill. I was like all about it. And I had the same reaction as I know you did when we when I saw From Dust Till Dawn. So yes. there's something about killing vampires right. that just brings out this horrible like, like Pavot just this just ready to kick some ass. It's just like you just killing vampires and monster hunting up. just pumps you up. And I yeah, so for me it was Blade. I saw both of them in the theater, but Blade was just a transformative experience. I wasn't prepared for it. But nope. this is easy. This is easy going from the heart. Now we're going tough here. So if you had to take one of these films away, Urban Legend and Blade, which one would leave 1998 poor? And Jason, we're going to start with you. Urban Legend or Blade, take one away. Uh, might be the same reasons as the last one. Like, <laughs> Urban Legend is like flash in the pan, cash in. 
where Blade was like in my it's one of the <laughs> first comic book movies that was successful. Yes. Yeah. You know, and and even though two is superior, you know, and three sucks, but you know it it, it uh, yeah. you know it, it created a a little bit of a force to make make sequels and and uh, I have to go with Blade. Blade it is, and it's a good answer. Let's see here. Tad, Urban Legend or Blade, take one away. Oh, if we didn't give Wesley Snipes all that money for Blade, he would have, you know, not had all these tax problems. <laughs> so, I say, I say, um, you know, my pick is, is Urban Legend. I mean, there's... This is young Jared Leto, and I mean, just and he went on to win an you know Academy Award for for um, best supporting actor, and I know yeah Wesley Snipes he never got close to one so yeah there we go. <laughs> Boy, I, I I didn't know you had such a beef with Wesley there. That's impressive. Oh. Did he do your taxes? What's <laughs> fucked? <laughs> no, he didn't do my taxes. He did, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Insane Mike. Uh, Urban Legend versus Blade. Take one away. It's going to be the same thing I said with the last one. I, I think it has more to do with, like, just the overall, um, you know, impact. staying part, you know, impact uh, that they ha- it has in cinema. And I'm going to have to go with Blade. Um, it, it's, you know, for good or bad, you know, like Tad wasn't a fan of the superhero films of this, of this era. And I, and I can agree with him to a point on, you know, some of that stuff and like those, you know, early X-Men movies, as much as I love them, you know, again, it's all just black leather. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but that stuff opened the doorway to much better superhero movies that we got now. And I think Blade played a part in that, um, where again, urban legend, you know, this was directed by the same guy who did Valentine, and like, who remembers that movie? So. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> oh, that movie was rubbish. <laughs> so I'm going with uh, Blade. I. That's a way to announce the presence with authority. Uh, Terry, Urban Legend or Blade? Take one away. Well, I think I'm gonna flip to the other side on this question. Um, as much as I love Urban Legend. I just, I feel like Blade has more of an impact. Yeah, you got a couple more movies. Second one's awesome. Third one isn't great, but it had Ryan Reynolds. (laughs) And Jessica Alba. Which was, uh, yeah. Mm, Ryan Reynolds. And Pat Nozzle. And I was going to say. And Pat Nozzle. And Pat Nozzle, that's right. um, But, you know, and then just the impact of seeing uh, a person of color as a superhero, I think, has a huge impact. Mm -hmm. Just all around that's a big deal so for sure that one excellent answer excellent answer genius i i will have i was actually going to bring that point up if terry wasn't like yes black panther is the first like big giant budget superhero but blade also was one of the very first black anti-heroes up on screen and that's important in itself um and plus it's fucking blade it's blade (laughs) 
It's Blade. That's all I got to say. Fucking Blade is the shit. I mean, like, while there's better movies, yes, against Urban uh, Legends, there is no contest. If you take away Urban Legends away, okay, you're down a 90s slasher. You take away Blade away, you're down a lot of stuff. You're down superhero movies being good and violent and rated R. Um you're down a fucking vampire hunting movie, you know? So Urban Legends got to go. Blade's got to stay. I really hate following in you, especially yeah. talking Blade. <laughs> There's just nothing I can add to that except for, no, for me, like you got, you got, this is why we bring on talented people to talk this. You guys hit all the stuff that I was going to talk about. And also it's an rated R yes! superhero yes! film uh, that pushed the envelope yeah. unbelievably. I'm going with Blade. And well, unlike the faculty in the Bride of Chucky, we have we a definite talk, answer for this one. <laughs> break out the garlic and uh, wooden steaks because Blade is just putting one right through the heart of urban legend and moving on. But uh, we've got to go to the internet uh, to see what happens with the faculty versus Bride of Chucky. But honestly, you guys, thank you so much mm -hmm. for taking the time to talk with us here. Um, this has been way, way too much fun yeah, than it should be. Yeah. Um, so really quickly again, where can our listeners find the Attack of the, po Attack of the Killer podcast out there? We're on all the social medias, but uh, attackofthekillerpodcast.com. We're on Facebook. Twitter at AOTKP, Instagram, iTunes, SoundCloud, Phantom Podcast Network. Phantom. Everywhere. Phantom. <laughs> I was hoping. I really hoped that was going to happen. You throw it out there. He'll, he's like, you know, <laughs> a, a, a faithful lapdog there. So, yeah, Mike, Tad, Jason, Terry, thank you guys so much. And when we come back, guys, we are going to be joined by uh, Tony Giles from the Damn Fine cast to see... <laughs> Faculty or Bride of Chucky versus Blade. We will be back. All right, gang, we are back. And as we go from the round of the Scream 16 to the round of the Hateful Eight, mm -hmm. we do want to say thank you and goodbye uh, to Killer Mike, uh, Jason, Terry, Tad from Attack of the Killer Podcast. Uh -huh. They, they, <laughs> they were, we were able to break down and say goodbye to a couple of films from 1998 and uh, very much like we would at an Oscars in memoriam. In the arms of the angel. Let us go ahead and take a second to say goodbye to uh, Bride of Chucky. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately got ditched at the altar. And of course, Urban Legend. Yeah. Didn't disproven by scopes and attack of the killer podcast. I don't want to wait for the night. And as we do from the scream 16 to the round of the hateful eight, we go outside of the phantom podcast network phantom. and we go into some of my favorite podcasts and mm -hmm. bring them into the fold. Now, if you've ever listened to the podcast, usually about once a month, we do a segment called What's the Score, mm -hmm. in which we kick back, we listen to some of our favorite horror scores and soundtracks here in the studio. And one of the things that we always do is we always give a shout out to a particular podcast that do what we do, but they just do it a lot better. <laughs> uh, we always give a shout out to the uh, From an Inspired By podcast from a friend of the podcast, Nick Spacek, mm -hmm. and one that we always give a lot of love to 
is uh, the damn fine cast. So that all that being said, guys, you can hear our next guest as part of the damn fine network, where he and his podcast partners take you on a cinematic soundscape journey. He is the host of the damn fine cast. Welcome to Nightmare Junkhead for the very first time. Tony Giles. Tony, how are you doing, man? Um, good. Thank you for that that very wonderful intro. I feel very um, smug right now. <laughs> so thank you for that. <laughs> we like to put our airs on when we have guests here. Right. No, uh, I, I appreciate that. I almost feel special. <laughs> hey, we broke out the good China, man. <laughs> <laughs> so before we officially get into the madness here, uh, please tell our listeners where can they find you out on the interwebs. Uh, please feel, plug and promote your social media. Uh, interwebs, you can find pretty much everything we do. Um, if you are a uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter user, you can find us at Damn Fine Network. Uh, those are the, the main channels that we uh, we work through. But you know, like the social media stuff is really hard. You don't know how many people are actually going to interact with things. So I do post different things on different networks uh, just to try and you know build a reaction. Um, I find Instagram is like probably the most interactive because people like looking at album covers and I try to post as many covers of records I'm playing or something that's coming up on an episode of two dudes talking you know, this is what we're talking about this week. So check us out, that kind of a thing. So at damn fine network on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we also just opened a web shop as well to mainly help guys in the UK find things that we're playing on the show because the import fees and the postage mm. to get you know stuff from the US and that's predominantly where a lot of the stuff that I play comes from it's it's just becoming insane with the with the costs so we've just opened a web shop damn fine network at no sorry damnfinenetwork.bigcartel.com um, so if you, if you hit us up on that web shop, you'll see some of the records we have for sale. Uh, we have test presses up for sale and we're always going to be adding stuff. So yes, anything with damn fine before it, <laughs> usually something to do with me. There you go. That is perfect. And I definitely want to promote, uh, your show for our listeners because I'm a huge fan and I'll just say it right out now. Uh, gonna, you know, as Joe Lynch would say, wax your car, uh, but I'm definitely <laughs> a huge fan of the podcast. Uh, number one, just the fact that you promote such, you promote physical media. Um, and right. that's something yeah. in this day and age, it's a real issue. So first and foremost, we love that. And then yep. secondly, just the amount, the diversity that you put on the damn fine cast is wonderful because you really seek out all sorts of genres. Uh, before we even get into your horror origins, I want to find out how did the damn fine cast come about, and then how did you translate that into the damn fine network? Mm. Uh, well, thank you. It's very, very kind of you to say such wonderful things. Uh, <laughs> I, I uh, if you were uh, well, my wife just thinks I'm some nerd with too many records that <laughs> talks to himself. Uh, you know, like oh, I, and there's probably only four people that listen to your show, and I'm like, well, it's actually five, but never mind. So. Uh, <laughs> The, I, I guess the, the starting into podcasting was, it probably all stems from the movie Pump Up the Volume. We were, we were chatting about it before we went on air, but that really kind of, the idea of doing what the Christian Slater character did in that movie always appealed to me as a kid. I was a lifelong music fan, and I always enjoyed talking about music or recommending things. So the idea of doing a radio show type thing has always been in my head, and you know, as we've gone forward and technology has progressed, it's become easier and more available for us to do these things by ourselves. You know, when I was a kid growing up, you wanted to have a radio show. 
you had to work for a radio company or just do pirate stuff. And pirate radio was expensive. That's, you <laughs> yes. know, it, it was an expensive hobby if you wanted to go down that route. And I was listening to the Killer POV podcast. I can't remember why I've said this before. I can't remember why I started listening to it. There was something on there I wanted to hear. I listened to that show and I, I really enjoyed it. You know, I, I engaged with the hosts and the guests were, were good and the information was there. And I thought, man, wouldn't it be great if there was a soundtrack show just like this? And uh, I thought, hang on, why don't I make a soundtrack show just like <laughs> this? So without even knowing really what a podcast was, I, I reached out to uh, Scott Johansson, who was the original co-host and producer of the show. And he'd never even heard of a podcast. He had no clue. But we kind of blindly felt our way through it. And uh, the very first episode of the DSC, or the first attempt, is literally the worst thing you'll ever hear. <laughs> or you, or you, you'll actually never hear it. I do have a copy of it somewhere. It's actually on a physical disc, but I, I have no idea where it is. Is, so, um, is it buried with I'll, all the ET cartridges? I'll, something like that. I will find it one day, and, and I will upload it because it's hilariously bad. Um, <laughs> after after we, we recorded it, we were both like, this is this is our good idea. And then a couple of weeks passed, and we decided to have another crack at it. And that is actually what became episode one. So we kind of we stumbled. We didn't really understand what we were doing. But you know, I like episode ten. I was actually quite impressed with what we were doing. And we're ninety five episodes deep now. You know, Scott's no longer with us. He's still alive, but he's <laughs> no longer on the podcast. Um, so it's just me now. But I mean, it's it's. It's still something I enjoy doing, and the idea of running or producing a, an entire network of podcasts was never the intention. It was always about, you know, I like this music, and I want to share it with you. And then other people came along, and it was like, oh, well, maybe we could do something together. And, you know, I looked into what do you do, and, and kind of that's how it all stemmed. And now we have, you know, kind of four regular shows Five irregular shows there are patreon <laughs> bonus episodes and we have some merchandise now and it's, it's just it's, it's grown and it's expanded and for me it's still just this tiny little idea i had back in you know 2015 just you know thinking wouldn't it be cool if this happened so yeah i, I like i said before I, I really appreciate you guys listening it's 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 always nice especially because i'm a fan of your podcast so it's, it's nice to know when other podcasters listen to your podcast. It's basically a podcast meet cute, if you will. <laughs> well, well, and I have to, I have to ask, how cool is it now that you started with Killer POV and one of the shows on your network, Two Dudes Talking? It's you and one of the co-hosts of Killer POV now, Shockwaves. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and and the reason that came about is because Rob is a soundtrack fan, mm -hmm. and I knew from listening to Killer POV that he was a soundtrack fan. So when we used to have, uh, we used to have a guest every week on the DFC. The amount of work that I used to put in the <laughs> DFC now makes me feel very lazy because, uh, you know, the show is just more of a radio show format now. But we had Rob, I reached out to Rob, explained what we were doing and he listened to the show and he was like, Oh man, this is great. I love this. Mm -hmm. and, and he came on the show. And then from then on, Rob and I just became friends. And, you know, we went further down the line, realized we had a ridiculous amount in common. And it was like, hey, man, in, instead of us just having these phone calls, which are fun, 
why don't we turn them into a show? And and pretty much that's how Two Dudes Talking came about. So it the the I don't know what the I don't know what the correct word is. Like it, it's still very cool for me to host a show with the guy that made me want to podcast. So yes, much love to Rob. I, I he's, he's a good brother. I I love him very much. So. Well, I'm a huge fan of when it was Killer POV and now Shockwaves. And when I saw that you guys that started, I was immediately very impressed because we do live in a day and age now where we have that kind of access. It's kind of incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, could you have done this five years ago? Yeah, probably, but it wouldn't be as easy to do. Um, and 10 years ago, it was, could have, you know, it could never have happened. So. You know, the dumber we get as technology becomes smarter, it also, you know, it makes things a little easier. So I'm not going to hate on technology. Oh, no. Are you kidding? I, well, the fact that we get to talk, you know, cool music with, and like you said, you found an audience that existed that was just looking mm-hmm. for a chance, you know, for a podcast that focused on some of our favorite score. Because we always talk about on the podcast that a good score can make or break a movie. It makes it an, a character. Mm. It's another character in the film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can instantly recognize a bad score in a film, and <laughs> yeah. it will take you out of the film like if a you're invested. Invasion of the Body thumb. Snatchers. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Their music just... When the music, <laughs> oh, there's a lot. I'm easily taken out of movies, but I'm easily brought back in unless it's something that just sticks out. And music can really skew my whole perception mm. on movies. I, I, I completely understand. And one of the things we've always done with the dfc from day one is we never badmouth anything Mm -hmm. so if we don't like the way to in a roundabout way if i don't like something the only way you'll ever know is i won't play it (laughs) because because i try to play literally everything um that i'm buying that i'm listening to that i've kind of dug out from the racks so i mean I've, i've been collecting records for a long long time now but there are still things that I bought five years ago that I haven't played on the show yet. I have, I have full intention of playing. It's just getting round to it and, you know, what's the kind of vibe of the show going to be this week? And that does change from episode to episode. So if you don't hear something on the show, it's either because I haven't got round to playing it yet or I just think it sucks. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> well, I'll even say this. I'll, I'll, I'm not only am I a fan of the uh, damn fine cast, I'm also a Patreon. Uh, and I will. I gotta love the fact that the bonus episode you gave us was with the uh, score from Nighthawks. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Which was wonderful and beautiful. And anytime you need a film with Rutger Hauer and Sylvester Stallone <laughs> and drag, <laughs> oh, it's glorious. So even like the fact, and the main reason I signed on for Patreon is the Cuts from the Crypt was one of my favorite segments that you guys had. And so I really needed more of it. So that is my pleasure to contribute to that one there, sir. So thank you well, so thank much for you. that. Thank you. I mean, Cuts from the Crypt, like there were, I think there were 19 episodes outside of Patreon. Mm-hmm. And when I first did it, I thought this is the greatest idea I've ever had. I quickly realized that if you listen to nothing but horror music, it can get very monotonous. <laughs> and it's it, it kind of, towards the end of the run of the show, I missed having like, oh, I can play the score for The Conjuring and then I'll play Smokey and the Bandit 2. Uh, and I and I, I really missed that dynamic. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I decided to <coughs> stop doing Cuts from the Crypt as a standalone show. But I will say this, Cuts from the Crypt will now be a Patreon-only show going forward. And it will be back, kind of. I'm going to try and do it every month. 
at least every month. So awesome. Cusp of the Crypt will come back. So if you are a Patreon uh, pleasure, and remember, folks, it's only $5 per <laughs> month, and you get a ton of bonus content, uh, you will enjoy the new episodes. And I also want to do, like, one of our last episodes was Suspiria, mm-hmm. where I chatted with DJ Alfonso about, you know, kind of the impacts of the film, and it's the 40th anniversary. And it was fun doing that. So, you know, maybe you guys who come on, cuts from the crypt and talk to me about one of your favorite horror scores and the impact that's had so maybe we can do that oh, maybe mm. uh, let's, let's break out the crystal ball and uh, see what we see in our future there uh, but speaking of horror one of the questions we always ask our first time guests are what was it initially Tony that got you into the horror genre uh, was it a movie was it maybe some music, music. <laughs> was it a moment but what was it that made you go you know what I can kind of I can dig horror there, there are actually there are two there are two moments with horror and they're very very far apart because when I was a child there was a, a little known musician called Michael Jackson and he made this video called Thriller or him and John Landis did and I was a huge Michael Jackson fan as a kid and I could not wait to watch this video um, it had been advertised that it was coming on British television. I had my grandmother record it for me so I could watch it because it was on, you know, kind of late, not late at night, <laughs> but late enough for a little kid not to be up. And uh, I remember watching it, and and the minute that Michael turned into a werewolf, I shit myself <laughs> and and ran and hid. And that viewing experience it scarred me so heavily that I could not watch horror. Uh, it just horror movies terrified me to such an extent that I would not watch horror. Um, a, I, and, and this is no word of a lie, I probably didn't watch Thriller in full until I was about 15, which is ridiculous because, you know, uh, it, it, horror terrified me to the point where I was not a fan. So I missed out on a good, good amount of, of you know, what are now considered classic horror movies. So that happened, didn't watch horror, wasn't a horror fan. Fast forward to I'm 17, I'm 17, 18. I'm living with a bunch of guys, and one of my flatmates, he has John Carpenter's Halloween 1 and 2 on one VHS. It was kind of released as a double pack. And one day I just decided that I was going to watch Halloween. And I did and instantly fell in love. And so from 17, I just started devouring every mm-hmm. horror movie, magazine, album action figure t-shirt like every horror became my life i'm literally about to turn 40 in a couple of months so for the last you know couple of decades horror has been my thing and you know i I did miss out on a lot i appreciate that now (laughs) i I hear all my friends talk about you know going to the video store and horror and i'm like dude i was writing cynthia rothrock movies and (laughs) fucking bruce lee and you know that what I was watching were action movies, but the ones I really liked were actually the the hyper-violent, you know, kind mm-hmm. of bloody gory ones. So I can kind of see a horror element to those movies. Maybe it, you know, maybe it was through being a fan of those action movies. Like, you look at a film like Commando, yeah. or, or Raw Deal, or Cobra, yeah. I mean, there are tons of horror elements in those films. I mean, Cobra, <laughs> Cobra Stallone is... fights a satanic cult, yes. pretty much. You're going to bleed, pig. <laughs> exactly. Like, that... there, there are parts of that movie that are, you know, horrific. That stalking sequence in the house. wig. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the stalking scene and, and the, with the axes and, you know, it, there, there is just, 
there are lots of movies like that that have the horror elements, mm-hmm. and I, I can see that now by rewatching those films, going back and be like, huh, that you know, like Robocop, it's so oh. ultra violent. Yeah. The dude that gets melted by the acid, looking at Neil. And you know what's really funny is that character, uh, Paul McCrane. He, he has he, to die horribly. If you watch The Blob, he's the guy yeah. that gets folded in half. Yeah. He uh, dies horribly in the show ER as well. He just has something in genre cinema. He has to die horribly. Well, We've got I, this role for you, but yeah, there's a, a little horrific death. thing in my contract that says I have to die. He's the Sean Bean of B-movies. He's <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, people remember him because yeah. of those things. Right. It's not every day you see somebody getting <laughs> turned into a toxic waste monster and obliterated by a I car. Mean, That's memorable there shit. Is, <laughs> there, is, there is that, you know. It's, it's you know, Leland Palmer is in, oh, Twi- is, is in RoboCop, but you barely remember him being in the film because... Yeah, you know, he kicks Robocop in the nuts, breaks his foot. That's pretty much all he does. But the, the other dude, Emil, melted, yeah. lifelong scarring. So <laughs> through through 80s action movies and through, like, the excessive, uh, the excessive violence of 80s mm-hmm. action movies, that really helped me transition into a horror fan. And now I'm kind of like, oh, I love, you know, horror is my thing. So... In a long-winded, roundabout way, that's that's where I'm at with horror. I like that journey we just took with you, right? actually. Yes. Well, you mentioned we were huge action fans as well, mm-hmm. and it was always nice when those two genres kind of bleed into each other. Like Dead Heat. Mm. Uh, yeah, especially <laughs> Dead Heat. But it's actually it's interesting because I definitely think both of the films that we're going to be talking about have some action yeah. elements to them. But I also think it's appropriate that Halloween was that first film that really sunk its teeth into you based on your love of music and, let's face it, the classic John Carpenter score that goes along with it. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things that the... the, It's not irony, but it's (laughs) not lost on me that that would be the one movie because he he was a horror fan Mm -hmm. and he had other movies, but for some reason that was the one I chose. And... I knew who John Carpenter was because I was a huge Kurt Russell fan, mm-hmm. you know, so Big Trouble. And for me, growing up, The Thing wasn't a horror movie. I always saw that as more of an action movie. Now I see that it is way more of a it's a horror drama more <laughs> mm-hmm. than anything. Um, but, you know, things like Assault on Precinct 13 as well. I grew up loving that movie. So I think probably the name, the association of John Carpenter made me think, oh, well, if I'm going to start anywhere, that will be the place to start. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and also, you know, Halloween has gone on to become one of my favorite films of all time. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it all connects in a really weird way. That's, that's what I love about, you know, horror and hearing other horror fan stories, all the connections that get them to where they need to be. It's, it's fantastic. Well, and I think ultimately our journey has taken us here. And speaking of John Carpenter, he is all over. His influence, his films in general, all mm-hmm. over the mm. tournament this year. And in 1998, 1998, we've got two films left now in the round of The Hateful Eight. And it's our responsibility. And that's why we brought you in, Tony, just mm-hmm. to add a little responsibility to your life here. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, just. <laughs> but we're taking two films, The Faculty and Blade, and pitting them against each other. So before we even pit them against each other, I wanted to you know, have you start out. Um, which of these films shall we start talking about first, uh, Faculty or The Blade? 
or the, bl- well, or the, the blade. blade. <laughs> like the, the Facebook. I, I like the fact that it's the blade. They're out of out of the faculty. Yeah, the Into the blade. Um, I, I did see both of these films in the theaters in the UK. I was a fan of both of them. Um, but there is one of them that I've watched probably twenty times more than the other one. So um, I'd say let's start with the one that I'm less familiar with, and that would be the faculty. Okay, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> and you don't understand the smile that's on Genius's face right now, based on just the pure love of the blade. The blade. The blade. <laughs> but the faculty. What's really funny is, you know, we started the tournament with an, an invasion film, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, mm-hmm. and the faculty pretty much is kind of a take on that. But you mentioned that you saw it in the theater. What was that experience like? Do you remember? It. It was one of those things where I. For some reason, I always had to go and see horror movies the first day they opened and also the first showing. So I saw a lot of horror movies at like 11 a.m. in the morning when nobody was there. So I remember seeing the faculty and being the only person in the theater. So I had a great time. There's something to be said, and I'll, as, a, you know, as an introvert myself, seeing a, the- seeing a movie by yourself in a relatively empty theater, that is very comforting. There's a it zen is. thing going on there. It was, it was it was a nice experience because I could literally laugh and, and you know, you can do whatever you want when you're the only person in the theater. And the faculty, it, it's... I don't want to say it's horror light because there are some pretty cool horror things in the film, but it's not as horrifically violent as, say, Blade is. So it's a good, like, I would show faculty to a young person to get them into body horror. Mm. A little transitional terror. I can yeah. actually kind of dig that. Crossing into Cronenberg. <laughs> exactly. I don't think the faculty is too far away from going into the world of Cronenberg, you know? With Famke Jansen, don't dream <laughs> uh, And Nurse Salma. Ah. Oh. <laughs> something to be sick for <laughs> well uh, I, i'm curious also just to kind of see your take on it um when you saw this because this was in 1998 so at that point i was four years removed from high school but i could still always appreciate a good high school flick and even mm-hmm. watching it again you know you identify some of the little high school tropes that come out there so tony were you one of the uh popular kids in high school where were you in the little hierarchy in the faculty um it was weird because i went to a performing arts school ah. so ah. it was like being in fame Fa- i was gonna were you yeah. living forever yeah i wasn't living forever i was <laughs> traveling very far each day uh which was a pain um the whole high school movie I, i've said this to rob before like growing up in the uk growing up in britain our school system is so vastly different to the American school system. However, the <coughs> school that I went to, this um, performing arts school, was very much Americanized in its um, treatment of children and its attitude towards education. It was very much, you know, the kids were the focus of the class. And I always got that from American horror movies, like the teachers would pay more attention and, and you know, be involved with the kids. Whereas, you know, UK schools, when I was a kid, yeah, not so much. Really, really not so much. So I always liked teen movies or, or teen horror flicks, and we had a glut of them in the 90s. Yeah. Because I could relate on a certain level to the school dynamic. So, you know, all right, we didn't have aliens in my school, but there were some <laughs> weird fuckers, I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> 
Well, you mentioned also just this film is definitely it feels like a '90s film. Mm-hmm. Um, just mm. from the cast itself um, to the fact that you know it's a Kevin Williamson screenplay as well. Which mm-hmm. let's face it, his yeah. DNA is all over the '90s. And so is Hartnett's hair. It's oh, good lord. <laughs> That, and that's the reason this particular film has made its way. Because <laughs> of the coif. <laughs> the coiffeur. The, the heart net. We've talked about it before, but his hair, it looks like a math equation. It looks like something you need to try <laughs> to solve. By the slope, one it, side's tan, the other side's cause. Yes. <laughs> it's just, it's odd, isn't it? It's like you would have thought someone would have looked at him and said, no, we need to do something about that hair. Like, I get that he's a, he's a kid and he's a little, I don't know edgy in a way <laughs> like the hair like seriously like i remember the hair 20 years later i remember the hair like why why is that a thing but was this was this hartnett's first or was halloween his first halloween was technically his first mm-hmm. but he was right. going in between the two sets which is why you have that kind of weird hair continuity right that's going right. in between those it could be the same kid just yeah. like he's having one terrible terrible time at school just a bad hair day he between just, each of them he transferred to he left the faculty and he transferred back to the the other the school academy. the academy all meanwhile he, he not only is he edgy but so is his hair so. yeah there you go that's what it is <laughs> all the ladies want to be with the heart in it so last thoughts on the faculty before we get to the blade the blade the faculty <laughs> like it's i would still watch like if this movie came on well not it will never come on. If this movie was on Netflix, <laughs> I would definitely watch this movie again. You know, mm. it, it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, not a massive sci-fi guy. I will say that. There are exceptions, obviously. But for me, this is definitely in that realm of, like, sci-fi, aquatic, body horror. Um, there are some neat touches in this film. There are some clever little tricks that you don't notice the first time around. They even recap some of it for you in the film, which I always thought was quite funny. Mm-hmm. Um, the, f- the fact that Josh Hartnett's promotion of drugs is what helps save them, I always <laughs> thought was kind of funny. Um, it's, it's just, it's like you say with the whole Kevin Williamson thing, it, it's it's so very much a product of its time. You, you can, within five minutes, <coughs> the music in the film, the look of the film, Ooh. the way the actors are dressed, mm-hmm. it's instantly, oh, this was late 90s. And for me that's always a bonus because it's my period of you know i was a teenager when this film was out so it's always going to have a special place in my heart now as like a, an almost 40 year old i look back and think oh christ look at hartnett's head <laughs> you know so it, it's one of those like kind of ah yes <laughs> Get it's, very much, it's not going to be a classic i don't foresee that for the faculty i will say that well and we would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the soundtrack that came along with this this mm. particular film because i know genius it really grates on you it just ah <laughs> uh, i don't the the whole the pink floyd remake and then the way it ends with the creed song and i'm just like grumble you know it's like uh, well, it's it's kind of this <laughs> why butt rock? Why butt rock in the '90s? That's another thing that you said. The '90s, it's like it was all about the butt rock, and I, well, and you, you know, I think Creed's sole purpose was to be on soundtracks in the '90s, <laughs> and the fact that they've got them doing an Alice Cooper classic, "I'm 18." I, I know, oh, I know. It's it's okay. I I think then we all stand kind of. I will say this: the Offspring song was pretty good on that one mm-hmm. the uh oh god damn what was that one uh the kids aren't all right actually it was pretty catchy yes. 
pretty catchy on that one. But no, I agree. It's 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 a fun the, '90s movie. The but musical stings were better. Yeah, the yeah. instrumental. Well, let's go to something that seemed like you were really hyped to to talk about, and we've oh, we've been talking about this one all week. But uh, Blade, yeah, Tony, talk, give us give some insight on Blade, <coughs> on the Blade. The Blade. <laughs> so, so the Blade, like Blade for me, I, I growing up, I was a huge Batman fan. Always been a comic book guy. Always been a comic book reader. So when comic book movies kind of yes we'd had batman flicks before but there weren't really comic book movies the way they are now and right. when blade was coming out i just remember being tremendously excited like wesley snipes was always cool so the fact that he was going to be this uh superhero and he, he's a fucking half vampire and he fights vampires <laughs> and the movie's 18 rated or mm-hmm. r rated like like shit the bed this is going to be <laughs> the best thing ever <laughs> and you know you look at the other cast of, of the film you know steven dorf great in that movie udo kia really fucking weird in that movie but mm-hmm. it's what you want him to do yeah um chris christopherson great great supporting actor in this role like there are so many good actors in that film and i think people forget that the film actually has a really good cast and even Blade 2, I would say, like, Blade 2 for me, I think, is is a great movie. Blade 3, not so much, but the first one and the second one, great movies. The thing about Blade, that when it when it opened, I had no real idea of what to expect because yep. I, I knew mm-hmm. who Blade as a comic book character was, but the whole it's going to be an 18-rated action horror flick, like, that wasn't what the comic was like. So going into it was like well this is really the first interpretation of this new version of blade and i just fell in love literally <laughs> fell in love instantly went out bought the cd soundtrack yep. and <laughs> just love all the all like the opening of that film where it's got the um, new order track confusion it's got this massive pounding dance track mm. and they're in this you know underground basement and all the sprinklers are sprinkling blood on everyone everyone's going batshit and blade fucks Everyone yeah, he does. Yes, he minutes. does. What more do you want from the opening of a like lit, within five minutes? I'm sitting there with the biggest smile on my face. <laughs> There's popcorn fucking everywhere and soda and just man, I the the I can never ever forget the first time seeing that film in the theater because it had such an effect that you know twenty odd years later I am well actually no twenty years later I'm still remembering it. So yeah. Egg. Blade, the blade, much love for the blade. Eggs, fucking exactly, man. That opening rave scene of the blade was just, <laughs> It's fucking it's, the it's, blade, man. It, that's exactly it. It's like, if you, if you, so explain blade. You're right, right. Give me five seconds, and you just watch the opening of Blade. That right there tells you everything you need to know, and it's perfect. It, there it, we go. There right, we right. go. A fight vampires and fucking impale Tracy Lord. It's gonna be fucking <laughs> awesome. I'm gonna be a naughty vampire god. <laughs> Let's face it though, right? If, if you're going to be like, if you're gonna be this half vampire and you're gonna want to fuck everyone up because of what happened to your mother, I would be Blade. I wouldn't do anything differently. I'd have the haircut. I'd have the tattoos. I'd have the outfit. Yeah. I, I would do exactly everything that Blade does. <laughs> I think we could actually like the Tao of Blade. We yeah. could actually put forth a personal philosophy, you know, built around oh. what would Blade do. <laughs> yeah. Which, and ultimately, this film. Honestly, Tony, even though when you're describing it, you could hear the smile on your face. Yeah. 
And that's what and this film is. It's so much fun. It's infectious. Because every mother is. always a motherfucker trying to ski uh, uphill. Yeah. Ah. You know, you know, and this is this is how the, this is some weird kismet shit. You know, on Facebook they have that thing that reminds you of something you posted a year ago, two years ago. Like on this day, mm-hmm. five years ago, you said some dumb shit. <laughs> well. On this day, and this is no word of a lie because I'm going to send you a snapshot of it. On this day, I think two years ago, I posted a picture of the scene where Blade says, some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate up a hill. (laughs) And I saw it this morning and I was like, fucking hell, that is weird. (laughs) And it is one of those things that just... I've used that phrase in everyday life ever since that movie because it explains so much. Yep. Because fresh is... It's, it's just like, you know, and another thing as well, like Stephen Dorff, right? Stephen Dorff, not the tallest actor in the world, <laughs> not the most handsome. I don't think he's that great of an actor. He's done some good stuff, but, you know, <laughs> Stephen Dorff, he didn't break out the way that some other guys did. I mean, he's no Ski Ulrich, but he's not, you know, kind of, you know, in that realm of, of, of kind of like actors as we see them. So he's no Johnny Depp. However, in that film, when he turns into the blood god, Fuck me, that was some impressive shit. Yeah. I, I'm always, I have a kind of a soft spot for the hairy chested because, you know, we don't have a lot of representation <laughs> in Hollywood. So when he pops out with the shirt popped open like that and kicking some ass, I was like, all right. Coming on like a 90s video with the like, with the <laughs> wind blowing behind him and shit. Like, ah. He was only missing a vape pen and he would have just been perfect. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But I mean, it's just. Everything about that, and even in that film, like Whistler, the character oh. that um, Chris Christopherson plays, mm-hmm. he's a bad motherfucker too. Mm-hmm. It's not just all about Blade, you know, Blade and Co. He has, <laughs> you know, uh, people that are there that support him that, you know, enable him to go on this mission of his and stuff. And, you know, I can understand the whole need for vengeance. I get that. They, you know, it's your mom. I, I get mm-hmm. it. I yeah. get it. But, you know, you could have been doing something else with your time as well. You didn't have to just be killing vampires, but he was just so good at it that it was like, yeah, let's just have him kill vampires. I was like, yeah, fair enough. But Tony, in fairness, if you could go kill vampires and were able to, why the fuck would you not want to? You know what I'm saying? I mean, no, I- there is that. There is that. But let me just say this: if you were half vampire and half human, so you basically a human, uh, a vampire that can walk in the sun. I'd be a fucking god. I would rule yeah, the earth. That's true. I, I, it's really funny. You guys are talking about this. Uh, it's that, what would you do if you had that yeah. power? And of course, it's just, you praise on that. Like, genius is all about shenanigans, of uh-huh. course. <laughs> well, and then I'm thinking you're talking about Whistler and Chris Christopherson. And I was I was thinking, like, man, I guess yours was Streisand hardens a man. <laughs> 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 he needs to go. He needs a cathartic. <laughs> Turns out Streisand was another vampire. And Actually, the- <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was Pearl, believe it or not. It was- <laughs> you don't bring me flowers. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tony, you talked about you were initially kind of into action and then transitioned to horror. And I think that's what really makes this film stands apart from the other mm. ones out there is that nice blend of action mm-hmm. and horror. And man, when yeah. the horror hits in this film, yeah. well, it hits and hard. The fact that they blend action with horror in the literal sense of you're killing vampires in, with kung fu. Meanwhile, buckets of blood is rain, raining down upon you. That's the literal mixing action and horror. So. Yeah. 
It's it's, it's that, a... <coughs> the film is also horrifically funny. Yeah. There, yeah. there was a ton of comedic moments in the film, and you know, Blade is like holding a severed arm in his hand, and he's he's throwing out one-liners. That that, that to me, it's it's almost like the perfect blend of uh, you know, there's a little bit of comedy, a little bit of action, a little bit of horror, mm-hmm. and you know, there's the you know, there's the sexy element to it as well. It's like Blade just has so much going for it. And I'm really shocked that we haven't seen a resurgence of Blade yet um, in any kind of in any of the sort of Marvel cinematic uh, outputs. And I'm hoping that does change. Absolutely. I think Wesley Snipes could still be Blade. I yes. Mean, he looks the same. Mm-hmm. Fucking he, he exactly. Could... I, I think there is room. For, I mean, we've already seen that. Are people like, oh, you know, Deadpool's the first R-rated horror movie. Mm. Well, it's not, or, or R-rated comic book movie. It's not. Blade was. Yeah. And in fact, Spawn was Spawn before Blade. Spawn technically was, because Spawn it was came. Awful. It wasn't that. Well, even thing. like you could go back to uh, the Punisher, the one with uh, Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> yeah, that's wasn't right. R-rated because the violence was hard on that yeah, as well. Yeah, he fucked some people this up is, in that one. He did. He did. But like, I, I think we need. Yeah. I think we we could handle having another Blade movie, mm-hmm. and and I wouldn't be opposed to you know the filmmakers that have come up watching Blade, you know having those guys tackle a movie like that because I think there's a, a ton of areas that you could explore with that character. I really do feel like they could do that now, but I mean that that move for me that movie will always stand out as being a classic. You know mm-hmm. I remember where I remember seeing it the first time. I remember the music so vividly in the film. It had a great mm-hmm. kind of... The soundtrack was weird because it was mainly hip-hop, but then there was a few like dance tracks, and mainly that, that confusion track, <laughs> the New Order song. It, it just stood out so well, and in that opening was just so powerful that you'd never forget cinematic moments like that. No, I agree, I agree, and that's why we're talking about it today. And speaking of talking about it, let's get to the point now. We've got two films... We've been given a little bit of love too, some more than others. But now we got to put them through the ringer. <laughs> we do. It's time to show our work. Now, in the round of the Hateful Eight, we've got two criteria we're going to look at. And the first one's a little bit more difficult. But what I'm going to pose to you guys is, and it comes down to individually, is I want you to define what do you feel is a 90s aesthetic in horror? And then based on that description, which of the two films best fits that description? So, Tony, we'll leave it to you. Would you like to go ahead and start us off on this? I, I would say, I would say, Josh Hartnett's hair <laughs> is very much a 90s, you know, that, that for me is a standout. That does make, see, this is the thing, the faculty, the faculty is very much a 90s horror movie, mm-hmm. very much, just from, even if you looked at the DVD cover, you would be like, oh shit, that was That's... made in the 90s, whereas... Blade, I'm not going to say it's a timeless movie because it's really not, but the faculty probably does sum up 90s horror better than Blade does. I would agree. I agree. So are we going to say then based on that, you've got to vote then for the faculty? I, I honestly think I'm going to. No, yeah. no, that's that's why we show our yeah. work here. That's the way it works. No, that's actually, and that's that's legit. That's very legit. So genius. Mm-hmm. 90s aesthetic. Mm-hmm. 90s aesthetic. Um, growing up in that time, I remember it vividly. Um, just the, the way things look. It, it, it had a weird color palette and all those different things. 
But like you said, Hartnett's hair. <laughs> um, the fact that it's super high school shenanigans. The soundtrack is super 90s. Um, you instantly know this is the 90s when you see it. Um, and like what you said, Blade's not... like it, I was trying to figure out what the word was, but timeless... It's a time displacement because it can be in any setting and genre. But the faculty is extremely 90. So faculty is my vote. Okay. We got two votes for the faculty. So for me, the 90s aesthetic, and especially I'm kind of gearing it more towards 1998. But I do think in horror, you are seeing um, a bit more of an olive branch to make things more accessible, if you will. And I think with the faculty, like it does, you know, horror pretty much with anything, they're reaching Mm -hmm. out to a teen audience. Mm -hmm. But what I think is interesting with Blade in this aspect is it's reaching out to, and Tony, you mentioned the comic book audience. There's an audience that may not necessarily be all that into horror. And this Mm -hmm. is almost like, you know, you mentioned maybe the faculty being a good transition for kids into horror. Maybe Blade is a good transition for, you know, comic book fans to get Mm -hmm. into horror. For the action genre. And because we've seen just the big influx of comic book movies at this point, it's everywhere. Based on that, and because we got this so early on with Blade, I think Blade is a better branch off for that particular kind of feel in the 90s. So I'm going to actually go with Blade on that one. So we've got two two votes for the faculty, one vote for the Blade. Now this one here is these films, and we've talked about it already, they came out in 98, 20 years later, here we are discussing, debating vehemently on mm-hmm. both of these films. So, Tony, which one of these two films, The Faculty or The Blade, <laughs> uh, which of these two films are we going to still be talking about 20 years from now? Um, I think it's pretty obvious I'm going to go with Blade on this one. <laughs> I, I think The Faculty will be the answer on Jeopardy at some point. And... Um, <laughs> people will be like oh fuck what was the name of that movie well wow, fucking Hartlett's hair and they'll either say halloween or they'll say the faculty whereas in 20 years time someone will put on blade and be like damn that wesley snipes was a bad motherfucker and and you you know you'll all agree and be like actually blade is still a really good movie so blade that works yeah. that absolutely works genius if say 20 years down the line we're talking about superhero movies for some reason or something. We're going to say, remember the, one of the first ones, our rated superhero movies was blade. We're going to still talk about that aspect, not necessarily much on the horror, but it's definitely going to come up in conversation. I don't know. 20 years from now, aside from an actual horror conversation, we'll be really talking about blade or about faculty, especially if we're not talking about like Robert Rodriguez or alien invasion. So there's too many like options. I think we're going to be talking about blade more so not only in the significance with the horror movies, but like different movies in general. So okay. I got to go with Blade. Blade. And, and it's the fucking Blade. It's the, <laughs> it's the fucking The Blade. That's, that's, I should have just said that as my answer. It's the fucking The Blade. It's, that's kind of your dropping the mic or dropping the stake, if you will, at this point. Dropping the sword. The sword. Oof. I'm going to also lay claim, and why we're going to still talk about Blade, is the fact that it was able to really incorporate so many different genres we talked there's horror there's action there's also you know in in its heart it's a black exploitation film as well it is true yeah it is i really like that aspect and also the soundtrack itself i almost i think the soundtrack kind of dates it a little mm-hmm. but dates it in a good way and because of that i i'm 20 years late i'm still talking about blade it doesn't matter i'm still gonna want to go out and fight some vampires maybe with a little blood on me so by a score 
of four votes to two, you guys. Uh. It looks like uh, the Daywalker is advancing and going to the <laughs> round of the Frightful Four. Because it's fucking Blade. It's the fucking the Blade, man. The Blade. That's all there is to it. Just the Blade. Well, we couldn't have done this without you, Tony. Thank you so much, man, for, again, taking the time to chat with us and to talk all things 90s. Now, we've got a few things in store. Um, obviously, you're always going to have an open invite here on the podcast. But I know the uh, the damn fine cast is coming up to episodes. You're about to hit episode 100, aren't you? Yes, yeah, we are uh, episode 95 of the recording of this. We just uh, released episode 95, so it's hard because because (laughs) of the amount of shows we have now. Trying to fit everything in, uh, at least one show a month, but with the DFC, sometimes there's two, sometimes there's three, so I can't actually say what episode 100 (laughs) will be, um, but plans are afoot for doing something uh, I think will be relatively cool for episode 100, um, but if, when that happens, I have no idea. Well, uh, it could happen in the next few weeks. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, episode 100 is coming up. Uh, it's something I never, ever thought we would reach. So I'm very happy about that. And, uh, whether we go past episode 100 <laughs> or not at this stage, who knows? Um, but I'm sure we will. I'm sure I'll still be waffling about soundtracks for many years to come. Perfect. Well, and so to make sure people can find that 100th episode, where again can they find you out on the social media? Uh, at Dan Fine Network on all social media, all social medias that people actually use. Um, you can also find us on iTunes. If you just search Dan Fine Network, you can find everything. Uh, you can also just search for each individual show. They will pop up. But you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, and many of the fine RSS feeds that are out there. Well, I know I will continue to listen, so you guys should as well. So, Genius, final thoughts on 1998 here? The Blade. The Blade. So, which film <laughs> will be joining The Blade in the round of The Frightful Four from 2008? Gang, you're just going to have to tune in to find out. So, until that time, uh, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we will see you in your dreams. Genius.